of people do it right there. That's it. Is the is the I don't actually know enough to address this or fix it, which is fine. But I know enough where you can't rip me off. And I feel like that's that's that statement is so that you are gonna get your you know shit together because you're now dealing with somebody who has enough knowledge to call you on it if you don't. Whether they do or not, it's not even the point, right? It's like, uh, you know, my, my cousin's a dentist. So I'm just gonna let you know before you start scratching around in my mouth here that my cousin's a, a, a dentist. So he's actually in the parking lot. He's not gonna come in, but he comes with me to all my dentist appointments. What's up, Trade Crew? Welcome back to another episode of HVAC R&D with Ryan and Dennis. We are powered by Keystone Sales and Associates, your premier PHVAC manufacturer's rep in the Mid-Atlantic. We've got a, got a customer on the show tonight of Keystone Sales. It's, uh, it's the last show of the year. I've been pumped about this. I know the guy's coming on is pumped. We all got our beers ready, got walkout songs ready. So without further ado, let's get it going. Yeah, come on. That's sultry enough for my new music, Dennis. Oh yeah. So what's up, Trade Crew? As always, we are also brought to you by our other platinum sponsor, One Thing Marketing. Hopefully you listened to Brittany's show last week. If you didn't, you greatly missed out on a ton of free 99 stuff. I will say that. Um, great show. She's always good to have on here. She can him haul it up with the best of us with that pipe fitter's mouth she's got thanks to her dad. So... <laughs> She will definitely Explicit always keep it episode, real. Explicit sure. episode. Yeah. Everyone should be happy about that. <laughs> but as always, how much are you loving your HVAC R&D these days? Whatever streaming platform you're listening on, Pandora, Spotify, iHeart, Apple Music, please make sure to follow us, like us, rate us, leave us a review, share us with your trade crew. Thank you so much for everyone that listens. If you're interested in working with us in being a sponsor, sponsoring a one-off show, or working with us in any other capacity, including workforce development, like we talked about last week, please make sure to reach out to us at hvacrnd at gmail.com. Social stats continue to move up. Instagram and trade hounds are crushing it. TikTok keeps growing. I don't even know what from, but it's funny every time I get on there, I'm like, oh, 20 more followers. I'll take it. <laughs> but you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at hvac.rnd. And then you can find us on Trade Hounds, LinkedIn, 
and Facebook as the HVAC R&D Podcast. Go check out HVACRD.com, join our mailing list, get in there, check out the vendor hub, as well as the merch shop. Go check out the new beer pong sets, the bottle openers, all the cool swag. We got more stuff in the works for after AHR, so just keep keep uh, keep checking, keep listening, keep watching. As uh, before I used to say, check the link trees in the bios again. That is gone. All the info you can get at HVACRD.com or shoot us a dm i know i've got several people that have sent me some messages this last week but dennis and i have been absolutely slam busy i will get back to everybody i promise and if you need anything else you can always shoot us an email at hvacrd at gmail.com so shameless self plug over nice i'm job, getting bud. better i'm getting better i think that was what a minute and a half that's what i'm talking about i don't want to have the seven minute self promo that irritates everybody <laughs> oh so, they've done skipped it anyway they probably well, the thing is, it was too short this time. So now I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I got to back up. Yep. <laughs> so we're extremely excited, as Dennis said, for our guest tonight. Um, it's going to be a fun one for me because there's some connections that I think we'll get to talk about that people don't know. And I know he doesn't know about some history he doesn't know about me or, or where he uh, or the business he now owns. So it's going to be a fun show. So we have to extend a big welcome to a fellow Western North Carolinian mountain man like myself, an owner-operator of Ward Plumbing and Heating, Mr. Brad Waldrup. Welcome to the show, sir. Thanks, fellas. Good to be here. What's up, man? And it's and it's Ward Plumbing, Heating, and Air. What? Ooh. Just a, yeah, we rebranded. Plumbing, Heating, and Air. Yeah, we went ahead and decided to do air conditioning in 2019. It's been pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, we'll have to get into the the weather up there in Silva. I didn't realize it was a rainforest. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Silva technically is, but but definitely parts of our service area. When you get up on what we call the plateau, like uh, Cashers and Highlands, Cashers. Cashers. And, oh yeah. Okay. Uh, do not say cashiers because you. No. Uh, there's a joke here locally among contractors and other businesses that that's how you wind up with an upcharge, uh, <laughs> saying cashiers because you've 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 shown your hand and people know you ain't from around here. Uh, so. Hey, <laughs> When I when I first traveled up there, uh, a buddy of mine said we're going up to High Cash, is the other name for it. <laughs> oh, it's all it's it's a big. Uh, I guess the where's the money come? Is it coming from Atlanta? I didn't realize how close you were to. Dude, Atlanta, there's all right? kinds of money up there. I mean, I know we talked about it on the show that one time. Like that one guy was his brother was the Earl of Kent. So the guy had like all of this um, overseas money. He was Scottish royalty. Dad did all the maintenance on his hydronic solar system. 
Wow. We got all hells of earls around here, but none of them are a title. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A vast majority of them is just their name. Um, That's right. Yeah, you got a lot of people there that have uh, vacation and summer homes. And they're, they, yes, Atlanta, a lot of them are from Atlanta. Um, probably, right. I mean, I've never counted them, but even more from Florida. Um, here we call them halfbacks. I don't know that's if you've right. ever heard that, ever heard that yeah. term, but that's, that's yeah. someone who worked to Florida and back here. Yeah, and made it halfway back. Yeah, exactly. So they've escaped the cold and gone to Florida for the warm and then figured out it's damn warm, uh, especially in the summertime. So they, they come back to the mountains to to cool off for the summer. Um, Until they hit a 107-degree day in downtown Bryson City on the water, and they go, whew. Yeah. yeah this I happens think, here? And I don't think a lot of people realize the humidity here. Which goes no. back to what you were you were bringing up, Dennis. Uh, you know, everybody knows it's humid in Florida, but it's also humid here in the summertime. Summertime, you know, when it's when it's eighty five degrees here down in the valleys, it's it you feel it because of the humidity. Um, it's still pretty warm. And that's it's like a little mini Columbia, right? Yeah. Well, because it's well, I nothing's like a Columbia. A lot of the mountains are considered <laughs> temperate rainforest still. Yes. Yeah, that's where we started this conversation yep. was up there in that area. Those are, by definition, temperate rainforests. Uh, but, you know, we're not far from that. So the summertime can be very, well, usually is very muggy for a good part of it. So speaking of sweating, I'm looking at this beer here. Brad's got to go first. He is the guest. I'm excited to see which which local one you picked. I'm about to crack open, with your permission, a spaceman. Pale Ale from Innovation Brewing here in nice. Silva. Nice. Innovation's a cool spot. Yeah, it's a fine beer. So right let's see if the we corner. can... There she goes. There you go. And I do know what to expect. So you're not going to hear like a holy shit or anything because I've had more than one of these before now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we caught some... Uh... Is that where you took me when you went got some lunch... Where did we go? No, that's another great local brewery called Balsam Falls Brewing. That's right. Um, that had some. They had some good. I've not been to that one. It's right on Main Street in Silva. Has that got an and IBU they, uh, scale number on it? Has it got a what, buddy? An IBU scale. We've only found one beer that prints that. Four forty-six. Ooh. That's up there, isn't it? It's in a point. I don't even know how IBUs work. I don't see a decimal there. Uh, you guys reached the point in your show. life where you where you have to hold shit like from your face. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So my yeah, dad that's... and it's God. I can't believe you said that. So I was working from home the other week, and I'm I'm looking down at my phone at a install manual. You know how that is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's small. And I, I leaned down to look at it and where I would normally lean down and it was kind of blurry. And I'm, I mean, I'm 41. I mean, my eyes are good. I thought, and when I backed up like a half inch, it all came into focus. Like this first time it's ever happened. I went shit. <laughs> like <laughs> oh, here no. we are. Now we're talking, you know, <laughs> I mean, my dad used to always say it wasn't his eyes that were bad. It was that his arms were too short. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah, I like it. 
<laughs> and my dad being five five, like it, you know, that always hit pretty good. Oh, but uh, all right, that is um, my dad. I'll I'll share one from my dad with you. My dad, uh, when I got to be about high school age, I remember this conversation pretty vividly because he said, "Brad, I think you're gonna you're gonna be somebody who achieves the." what I've kind of always viewed as the ideal physical dimensions for a man. You're going to be about six feet tall, which I wasn't yet. And you'll probably weigh about 180 pounds. And he said, that's just, that's what I always wanted to be. was six feet, 180. <laughs> he said, uh, I never made it past five, six. So what I did was I overachieved on the 180 to make up for the five. That's how, that's me right there. The six inches that I didn't get in high. <laughs> I added on to the weight. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. My dad, he's, he's built like, he's built like a barrel. He says just like a 55 gallon drum, but (laughs) five, five, you know, one ninety five or whatever it is. Nice. All right. Riding you, what you got? We've been, uh, we've been beating riding up because he's drank Modelo enough on this show and they're still not paying us. So, (laughs) We got to get something else going. So I am drinking baller beer, a Canapolis lager. Canapolis, okay. So it is from uh, Cabarrus. Naturally, I didn't realize I grabbed two Cabarrus beers back to back, but hey, the sticker's on your laptop, so maybe we need to get them to pay me. Yep. I guess so. The high flying, death defying, gravity denying, fearless feats of the crash helmet wearing, mustache bearing, nostrils flaring, cannonballers baseball club mascot are the very embodiment of the indomitable spirit of those who call the city of Kannapolis, Cabarrus, and Rowan counties, and the rest of the Piedmont region home. Baller beer, a crisp, smooth lager brewed with local malt and toasted rice was created as a celebration of the spirit and as a toast to the next chapter in the already rich history of this community. So go ahead, grab a pint and have a blast. I mean, that had to have taken up the whole can. Damn, is that a 20, is that a 22 ounce? It's a, it's a, it's a point. It's a point. point. 4.6. No IBU scale listed. So, Logger. I'm a logger. logger. I'm yeah. a logger. Just step from Coos Bay, Oregon, and topping trees. Um, <laughs> thank you, Ray Stephen. Yep. Um, so the Canapolis Cannonballers are the local single A baseball team, but for the longest time, they were the Canapolis Intimidators, named after Dale Earnhardt. And mm. there's still some heartburn over the fact that that's not what they are anymore. Oh, I'm because sure the three for Dale is pretty important in this <laughs> this part of the world. What's the saying? Uh, raise hell, praise Dale. There That's it right. is, raise Dale. Oh, you still see those bumper stickers everywhere here. It's amazing how much that guy still affects people. It's been yeah. yeah. All right, so I've got an Oscar Blues Brewery here. It's called Scott. Well, the flavor is Scotch Ale. Ooh. Mm-hmm. the The name of the beer is Old Chub. <laughs> I just couldn't pass that up. That, <laughs> let's see. So this is an eight percent beer. This is really high for me. Typically, um, I'm scared to even know what this is going to taste like. They're good. 
Oh, you've had them? Yeah, but I, I shouldn't have said that. I should have let you have it first. Okay. Oh, it, it's it's definitely and to make it even better, um, they haven't hit the fridge yet. I'm pouring this thing into a frosty mug because oh, it's it's dark. It's really dark. <laughs> it looks like Pepsi as I'm pouring it in here. <laughs> The new chub's a lot lighter. You got the old chub there. That's got some age on it. <laughs> old chub. <laughs> Sounds like a bad Happy Gilmore chub. I know. I just couldn't pass it up. Actually, that's pretty good. That's not as it doesn't hit as hard as it I thought it would. Where do you, you where do you feel yourself gravitating, Brad? You like the darker beers? No, I drink IPAs and pale ales most of the time if I'm at having beer which is what i if i drink i usually drink beer and i'll usually drink here lately probably the last six months i've gotten more into the uh you know session type of yep. ipas because i can i can drink them the way i used to drink beer you know there's <laughs> there there are those of us that have had to they're old enough and you might be in that group dennis i don't know to have had to adjust to the changes in the beer industry and yeah. if you like to and if you yeah. like to smoke you know, which is not legal yet in North Carolina, but there's been some adjustments people have had to do there as well. You know, uh, beer and, and I don't know if I'm am I allowed to talk about just mention pot on the show. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Okay. You know, those things have changed a lot since. <laughs> yeah, I was you think? Yeah. <laughs> you can't. I mean, I hardly ever smoke, but you can't just take a. You know, you can't smoke a joint of the shit that comes out now, and you you know, beer is basically the same way because. Used to no, drink a six a, pack pretty casually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to be I could drink a six pack of beer in an evening, you know, and not even really be feeling it much, you know. Well, you're relaxed. Space, you know. Yeah, you eat and, and then you so, go to sleep. Like <laughs> you don't pay attention to the labels on these things, and you decide to have a six pack these days, you get in a real mess. Uh, well, the first sign, the first sign is when you buy them in a four pack. That's the yes. first sign. Yeah. It's like, yeah, if you pay go ahead and drink the four like of these real quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, this this old chub here, 8%, like, if I get through half of this beer, and I've had them on this show, I my face turns red. Like, I feel yeah. it. That is not a Mick Ultra. Like, <laughs> that is not a no, golf beer. Not. That's not a pool beer. That's not a, you know... I can't even drink these all day on a Sunday watching football. Like that ain't, I won't make it to the last game, you know? So that's why I've kind of reverted back. I think it's like a middle ground, you know, uh, a session session IPA. Yeah. Four high fours, low fives up to five and a half. I can still, you know, have a few without, like you just said, I drink two, eight percenters and it's, I can tell something's happening, you know? And well, so there's my a, wife. There's my wife beer. Can too. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> are you the, you're not the chat. Are you the chatty Kathy? And you start drinking. I start getting this smile, which I'm like, I'm like, oh, that's good. That's a, that's like, I, great. I can hear yeah. that smile. Yeah. I can about hear it. We're know? almost there. Yeah. You're supposed Stop to now. That as, my, as my wife, you know, <laughs> you're just smiling for no reason. Uh, but she says she, you know, she can see it coming occasionally. Damn Cheshire cat over there. <laughs> so you know to add to that with with talking about marijuana right like there's there's uh not a 30 minute high anymore there's no such thing as that it's like four or five hours um 
But even on the beer side, like the craft part of it, right? Like yep. hazy little thing, five and a half percent. I mean, that's a different kind of five and a half percent. You drink four or five hazy IPAs from Sierra Nevada and you're going to be in a different position yep. than, than, you know, a Budweiser or anything that was like, I guess you could say mass produced. Like, I don't know the, the, the alcohol content level. I don't know. It's like, it just, it feels different. It's different. It's definitely different. Doesn't seem like it's the only barometer anymore. No. Like, yeah, five. I mean, definitely, I, I, there's a difference between five and a half and eight, no matter what it is. But that's I agree right. with you. Like, I can drink a five and a half that's, a, you know, an IPA, which is what I typically drink, and have a totally different thing going on than if I were to drink five Budweiser's. Right. <laughs> well, and I think the other thing that's interesting is is all these smaller breweries and smaller growth facilities and everything else have created other parts of our industry that we now chase. So the company I work for inside out of the Charlotte office, um, we sell package grow room stuff all over the country. So I know the last time I was in Charleston, they had a bunch of stuff in the warehouse that was getting ready to go to a grow facility. Um, and then I think some of the guys up in our Asheville sales office have sold a few as well. And then yeah, when you, you when you say package, you mean like somewhat bundled? Like you've already so so like they depending on where some places can actually buy like this is what our grow room is going to be. So there's already engineered plans for all the mechanical, and a lot of times where on the on the big commercial industrial side, Insight Partners is a manufacturer's rep. So we we represent Aon, um, Samsung, Marley. Armstrong and a lot of these bigger commercial groups and they'll have systems that are built and designed for specific different things that are already out there or you know we'll work with engineers to develop a system for a growth facility for someone but in yeah, some cases the the format's already pretty much there in some cases already, there's already kind of a the format building. there yep. yeah that's smart I mean you already know that if you already know the building design you don't have to redesign yep. the the HVAC well, and, and climate and yeah and the climate is different and and you know there's there's a lot of um cannabis mechanical related accounts you can see on on linkedin now too because there's so much more that goes into actually maintaining the right environment than people ever gave it credit for yeah humidity i actually i had to go put a uh design a mini split system to go in this guy's he built a uh like a 10 by 10 shed and he was going to be raising like geckos and they had to have the perfect like humidity and temp and yep. lighting and i'm like man i'm a little nervous and taking this job on right here like this is haven't really uh came across that but yeah same thing climate humidity it's a huge part of that. Um, I would I assume know. geckos have to have a pretty consistent or stay in a specific humidity range, right? Because they're from... Right. Yeah. Any reptilian or amphibian, I would think, has to be kept a certain way when they're being incubated and grown and everything. 
Yeah, it was uh, interesting. In Atlanta, it, man, some of the jobs, and I keep just remembering half of them that I came across in Atlanta for HVAC was insane. Um, I think I've said it on this show, speaking of grow rooms, I I remember walking up to this guy's house. <laughs> oh, yeah, all the mini splits. Yeah, it, yeah, it was a 3,500-square-foot basement. The whole basement was a grow room. Yeah, it's not. We're not doing basements with mini splits anymore. Yeah, it was like fifteen mini splits on the back of this guy's house. I'm like, I like it uh, cold. You know like, that's not you legal here. This power bill. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like it, that. That's not legal there. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I don't know if I want to mess with this here. Is this a setup? Is this? Am I on punked or what are we doing here? Now, Brad, aren't they? I know, I know. With legalization on the reservation, aren't they turning like the old bingo hall into a massive grow room? Uh, I think that's actually a dispensary. The uh, well, the is, old, is it going to be a pure dispensary, and then they grow somewhere else? I swear, I thought someone said they were growing and dispensing out out of the same building. They may be growing there. there. I haven't been up there since. But I also, they're definitely growing somewhere besides there because there's an interesting. Uh, story that I've heard that um, to transport the product from where they're growing it. One, I've been told that the entire growth facility is powered on uh, gas because uh, a friend of mine runs a lo- local propane company mm-hmm. and they, they weren't able to get utilities there or they may not be planning to. That was a detail I didn't catch, but it's currently or at least a few months ago it was all powered by gas. And secondly, mm-hmm. To transport the product from the grow facility to the dispensary, they have they can't do it all on the reservation. So they have to go. There's a short stretch of public, you know, non-reservation mm-hmm. road that they have to go. And the the uh, Swain County Sheriff told them that he would arrest them. So the last I heard, they were having to transport the product <laughs> by helicopter by <laughs> helicopter. I was so going to say, please tell me they're helicoptering it like down to. <laughs> yes. yes. No, that's what I've been told they're did doing. Did they get the guy that was off the. Uh, did they, they hire the guy that was on the ro- off the road right there by the casino? They get him to do it. I think it's the guy. What was the guy's gonna... name on the A team that, uh, that flew the. Murdoch? Was it Murdoch that flew the plane? <laughs> yeah, but I just picture Barney standing there. Like, you ain't coming down Barney through here. Barney Five. Nope. Well, I'm not going to make fun of the Swain County Sheriff, but that's definitely. The image that you would conjure, you know, uh, oh, yeah. more in more restions if you come on this road right here now. I'm standing here. <laughs> God, I remember Bob Ogle for years. He and my dad were good friends. They used to go. They used to be shooting buddies. All right, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get the technical <laughs> stuff out of the way. Uh, the technical early. stuff. <laughs> yep, I'm gonna get some technical yeah, stuff. Yeah, what it you is, been doing? What this you been is doing, an Dennis? HVAC show, just so y'all know. Um, I hadn't noticed in the other episodes. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yep. Notice me and Ryden hadn't talked about our uh, fantasy football teams either. I don't also, want to talk about it. Shit there. Um, don't want to right. talk about it. <laughs> so I went to a, uh, and don't let don't let Brad f- fool you. I've talked to Brad. He's He sits in classes. He's more technical than he leads on. Um, Brad reads a lot. He's soaking it up. So, went to a site visit today. My first one in the Carolinas with a Unico 
high velocity system with a Bosch system on the outside, on the outdoor. Um, mm. Super bizarre home. So the contractor said, this thing runs all day. I'm like, it's a heat pump. Thanks for calling. You know, call, <laughs> hung up. <laughs> He's like, now this was towards Lake Lure, so, um, you know, not not frigid, but 25 there this morning. Homeowner says it runs way too much. His old Goodman did not do that. Like, uh, of course it didn't, right? We'll get into that later when we talk about homeowners. Um, but he's like, we've we've called, we've called tech support, went through this thing over and over and over. It's just, it just won't shut off. 50 degrees outside, it's still just running. Set on 67, just runs, runs, runs. I'm like, yeah, that ain't right. So I, I make a site visit over there today because you can't fix some of this over the phone, right? It's impossible. Uh, so I go over there, and it's 39 degrees when I get there. Um, this house is all poured walls. And it's probably 200 foot long <laughs> and 20 foot wide. Like Jeez. It looks like. The biggest mobile home I've seen in my life is what, <laughs> <laughs> just what I pictured. It's it's this guy came out of Charleston and built this house. It's got terracotta roof. I mean, this thing has seven units on the back of it, and they're all old rude caskets, except for the old Bosch over there shining like a little diamond in the yeah, rough. We over didn't. There. My dad didn't do that one, did he? Uh, <laughs> It's a hodgepodge, man. Like, it's a super long house. He's like, all right, we're walking through this section. It has, this is a heat pump system. And we, I'm like, all right, feels pretty good right here. We get to the middle of the house. It's vaulted. This is a dual fuel system with a gas burner. Okay. Get to the next system. This is a heat pump system. Um, we keep going, and the Bosch is all the way at the end. Thousand square foot. It's all it's supplying. And... I go into this master bedroom and it's set on 67 and it's satisfied at 67, but it ain't satisfied. It's just running. I, you know, I can hear it, hear the air blowing out. Okay. Mm -hmm. The return is in the middle of the bedroom ceiling, right in the center. It's not over by the walls, not near the thermostat at all. And the thermostat is like, 20 feet away like it's going down the hall and there's no other return but there's just it's it's high velocity have you seen high velocity brad with the little two inch yeah yeah i mean i'm okay. familiar with okay. them we see them every now and then i, I was gonna say I, I i think there's some up around there that area but you know so the air blowing out it's a very e even system but this one so i'm there for an hour and a half the stat never cuts off just sits there 67 satisfied at 67 but it ain't cutting off so it ain't clicking that threshold on the stat and i hook everything up the system is literally putting out 130 degree supply temp it's crushing it it's a bosch 18 sear it's by now it's uh, 49 degrees outside the system should have cut off by now at least one time um 12-inch concrete 
solid poured walls. Um, Jeez. Now, when you want to talk about homeowners, we'll get into them later, about how they're a little more knowledgeable. Both of these homeowners work for ACA. Oh, wow. Like, oh, geez. So, so <laughs> I was like, oh, yay. Uh, that's fantastic. She's like, yeah, I just let you know, you know, who we work for. and We design this and do this. And I'm like, all right, well, you should have figured this out. <laughs> and, uh, right? <laughs> so I, I brought her into the room and I was like, can I say, can I ask you what the block load is here? You know, it's, you know, it's, it's literally a, like it. it's literally a block house yep. i mean there's nothing inside it's painted concrete all the walls are white painted white concrete so i took my probe went over there where the bed is put it in the middle of the bed because the homeowners are like it just won't cut off it's 73 degrees over there 67 where the stat is so as you walk from the bed towards the stat you get about halfway through the room now you're under the return where all the heat's going keep walking and now you come to the thermostat so it's just in that little envelope there and i was like you can't put this right here this can't go right here so we i put my probe over on the wall i was like we need to get a wireless stat stick it over here and it read 72 degrees which we would have clicked right it would have turned off yep and she's like oh my god you know how many people have came out here you know how i mean they had bosch to export on the phone which you can't fix that over the phone really but um it was bizarre right it was bizarre she said if we don't get this fixed we're moving like this is ridiculous <laughs> um <laughs> I mean, she she's not cussing any product. She's just like this thing just it doesn't ever shut off. I'm like, well, it it just it's not it, the stats over here just hanging out in this little area, and there's nothing moving over here. Well, and was it picking up, you know, temperature more from the other rooms as opposed to the room it was in anyway? Because it being right. so far away, it was in between the the next nearest return was fifty feet. Jeez. Which is on another system. Like I said, it's just a long, really long house. Um, and, of course, Brad knows this is what we come across day in, day mm -hmm. out. Um, I mean, that's one home. that needed needed addressed because of the system just running incessantly. But there's so many, you know, you get those calls that are in that same vicinity of <clears throat> it's not, it's not, uh, it's not being the temperature I want it to be. And sometimes the most valuable thing you can ask somebody is, are you comfortable to remind right. them, to remind them why you have the, the thing in the first place? Because people <laughs> right. can get so caught yep. up on what it's saying as opposed to what it's function is that you get, you, you, can, you can get lost in all that, you know, like, um, we have an, our, our operations and install manager, Jerry, who you've met, Dennis. He's, he's really good at those types of conversations because one, he's very patient, but he'll he'll tell people, you know, they'll, for example, I mean, I'm sure you guys have had this call where they're like, you know, it says it's 70 degrees in here, but I still feel cold. Yep. Therefore, it's not working properly. Yep. And, and Jerry will just come at him with the, 
you know, you can turn it up. Turn it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like they hadn't thought of that. <laughs> yeah, because their last system, right, or their last house, mm-hmm. they set it at this. Well, it's supposed to be comfortable. So if yeah, it's right. seventy, and I'm not comfortable, then something's wrong. I can hear him hey. saying that. Yeah, he he yeah. he won't <laughs> yeah, get technical with you. He'll just get like common sense on you, real yeah. quick. Yeah, you know you can turn it up. <laughs> um, and I've been told. I don't know if you guys know this, but I've been told that like the rest of the world, essentially outside the United States, thermostats don't even have temperatures on them most of the time. I wish they you didn't. Just, you just turn it up, and turn it down, and therefore, if you're not warm enough, you press the up arrow. Happy, happier, low and behold, <laughs> here like <laughs> smiley face ratings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, um, and I think that that does plague us sometimes. Like this obsession with, well, it says it's seventy. I don't feel like it's seventy. Well, so that that's, that's the next thing coming. right there. The feel. That's well, where where summertime. So many that's don't a big see. one. Yeah, well, but they don't understand how much the humidity in the home affects what they want that temperature to be or what they think that temperature should be. Oh, that's because, everything in summer. Because, you know, it's like, well, we keep it 70 degrees, but, you know, now it just feels like we're freezing. It's like, yeah, because it's dehumidified. Make it 72. Yeah, put it on 72. I bet it'll be warmer. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're <laughs> 1997, you, you know, uh, whatever you had. You didn't know what humidity was, and you didn't care. You just kept turning it down till you were comfortable, and that was 68. Now, the salesman came in, and he, he talked up like crazy about this humidity. Now you actually know what it is, and now you're like, this ain't right. You're like, well, yeah, you need to go to 74, because now we pull more humidity out with this product, and you're comfortable, you know? But that guy today, he's like, I asked him that immediately. And the, and the contractor standing there was like, you know, it's different when I come in. They 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 got skin in the game. They're, they're scared to say anything from reviews and money. And and I just asked like the really hard, uncomfortable questions because I got to get to the bottom of this today. You know what I mean? And I'm like, are you comfortable? Like, heat pumps are going to run a lot. I, I kind of give it back to them just a little bit. I know it, something ain't right, but I want to know what the homeowner's thinking. And he's like, I mean, yeah, it, it feels good in here. I'm like, yeah, it's satisfied. He's like, I see that it's satisfied, but it ain't cutting off. And I'm like, I'm with you. I'm with you, but are you comfortable? You want it warmer? You want it colder? He's like, I want it to shut off. Like, at least yeah, I mean, I get that. I could see I, that being. I had to be there to witness that, though. You know what I mean? If I would have been on the phone, I would have been like, "Look, man, heat pumps run a lot. They run triple of what you might have had, especially a variable speed. It's gonna run a lot." And I would have hung up, and he, you know. So I went out. I was like, "Dang, this thing is no." I mean, he had a legitimate issue, right? They know not cutting off. Yeah, homeowners. You're you're turning to the contractor, and you're like, "Hey, you know, just on future installations, we might want to put the thermostat inside. It'll work better if we put the thermostat (laughs) (laughs) inside the the building, yeah, or the zone that we're actually conditioning." I told that Mm -hmm. homeowner because he was like six five, six six. And that room had like a eight foot ceiling in it. 
and there's these there's these beams on the ceiling, you know, decorative beams. I said I would if I lived here, I would get me a Honeywell wireless stat and stick it to this beam right next to this return. Not even lying. You can reach it. Nobody <laughs> else can, can see it. it. Uh, he's like, I think that's what I'm going to do. I looked over the contractor. He's like, yep, I'll get one ordered. And we'll put it in. Like, I don't care where you stick it. Like, Yeah, just help like, me out here, buddy. You're just not getting the right reading on this. Like, you're not getting the room temp. This ain't the room temp over here. Um, And I, you know what I thought, though? I said, man, I said, I'm dealing with this house. That's It's concrete. What is the heat loss here? Nobody has ran that. Even the two homeowners that work for ACA. But, um, I was like, I said, let's turn this off for a second. It's 39 degrees. I turned the thermostat off. And it really didn't lose temp in there like I thought it would. I don't know. I was going to say, how, how long did you give it? Or like, what, what so, did it drop in what period of time you measured? We give it and about. Was it, and was it underground? Part of this, no, no, no. It's it was a, with basement, the walkout basement. No, no, no. It's just flat ground, two story, but it's this was the basement, two story poured concrete. No, no, no. It's a poured concrete house, not a basement. Gotcha. Okay. All the yeah. walls are just concrete. Yeah, bizarre. And um, that that bedroom had five windows in it. So I'm sitting here thinking, you know what? I'm just battling the application here, like the house and riding he you know he used to run a lot of loads for contractors but um it probably in 10 minutes it went up or it went down one degree which i thought was yeah. impressive for, yeah that's nothing that's nothing i'm like no he's like look when this thing comes on it's loud the returns were really loud but supplies on on you know they were fine. They had a little two inch blowing out there, but um, so anyway, that's what my, percentage uh, of what percentage of calls do you go on when you go to a home, Dennis, where the issue is presumed to be the equipment because it always is, right? It's not working. <laughs> absolutely, got to be the equipment. And this is a unique one because typically it's duct work, and you know, right. most of us mm -hmm. most of us know that. In this case, it actually wasn't. So that's a kind of another X factor, just the placement of the thermostat, but. What percentage do you go on where it's presumed to be the equipment and it's not? A hundred. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm kidding. Which is I, it, no, but let's it's say up there. no. I'll, it's in the nineties. I'm not gonna lie. It's in the ninety percentile. It's, um, and that's okay. You know, I, I, I'm telling you, I always go out there. I, it's not that I want it to be the equipment, but it's just, I don't know. You, well, we'll get into this later, right? It's just the today's times with the, the homeowners, they're, they're brutal, man. And these guys, they start breathing down these guys' necks, and I swear they can't think. Like, no. common sense, right? Mm -hmm. Like, today, the guy's like, look, man, we, we, we got to figure something out. Like, it just took walking around and just kind of seeing what's going on right i didn't start hooking gauges up i didn't start pulling amp draws uh, i don't care what the static is not not at first let's just see what's going on you know like talk to the homeowner they're going to tell you what's happening 
and you you better listen. I know they don't know technical, but you got to listen because they'll tell you what it's doing. Um, yeah, they live there. I mean, they're experienced. They live there. Day, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm walking in like trying to figure out how a system operates in, you know, an hour. And this guy, you know, he's sleeping there. So, um, but not sleeping with the thermostat. Cause if he had been, the whole thing would have been. Uh, yeah. I told him to just get a wireless stat and just, just set it on the pillow. Like, I don't care where you put the damn thing. But it needs to be over here somewhere. That, um, that would have been a good case for, uh, <laughs> the remote, like the Honeywell remote back in the day. If you didn't have the wireless sensor, just put oh, the yeah. remote, <laughs> put the remote by the bed. Well, that wireless stat, you know. Oh, you, you can't can. beat that. Just, just lay it on the nightstand. I don't care where you put it. I mean. We um, use the train 824s a lot, Dennis, and you know that. Yep. You know, I've talked about it before. I, in my house, I'm not zoned on my main floor. If I, I might later now that we have a daughter. But um, I just use those uh, wireless zone sensors, which on the train 824, you can, you can opt them in basically as the controller. Yep. So, um we're basically running the temperature on our whole main floor off of my three-year-old daughter's bedroom. Yeah, what? That's what I mean. That whatever room, because that's what's driving your comfort area, yep. right? Wherever yep. that stat is, is so so crucial. I know we guys say, "Oh yeah, I had to move it." The sun was coming in the foyer and, and raising it up, or you know, making it run all day, but. You're right. You could take and I and I try. I went a little bit deep with him today with that. I'm like, well, you can get a T10 or get this and take that sensor and just stick it in another part of the house. It doesn't matter where it goes. That's what's driving the system. So mm-hmm. this little yeah, the sun the sunlight's the classic example of thermostat yep. maybe being in the wrong spot or causing. But there's so there's other scenarios where just having your your control be coming from. The ideal place is where you want it to be that temperature, right? <laughs> I want right. it to be. Yep. I want it to be seventy <laughs> in this bedroom. Well, put your thermostat in that bedroom, and more than likely you'll achieve that, unless it's right by a window or you know whatever. All right. So, listen, it, Brad. See, I'm telling uh-huh. you, he's sharper uh-huh. than you think. He's don't let him fool you. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know how to do what I just said. I just know that's how you can do it. <laughs> that's how you do it. Brad would be a fantastic homeowner to yes. show up at. <laughs> hey, well, man. I thought I had, I, a good, put... I had a good pair today with the ACA employees. I know, right? God, ACA's going to beat me up on here. Somebody's listening. But... Yeah, we hadn't, we hadn't tried to go down that route yet. She, um, did, uh, she did lay that out to me right out of the gate. It's just telling you where I work. I'm like, that's cool. You like your job? I mean, what what are we? What's this conversation for? Like, well, we but that's here? because that is the classic homeowner justifying that they know more than you would expect them to know. If that makes sense, have but we? It's yeah, also have you the, done that, Brad? It's the, it's the semi yeah, un, it's the semi unhumble brag as well. <laughs> I've done it. I'm not going to sit here and lie. Guy comes out to fix my garage door. I'm like, hey, look, man. I've been in construction. Got a lot like, of garage doors. Don't, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't F this up. I'm standing here. Like, I know what's That's happening. why people do it right there. That's it. Is the, it. is the, I don't actually know enough to address this or fix it, which is fine. But I know enough where you can't rip me off. 
And I yeah. feel like that's, <laughs> right. that's, that's, yeah, that's that it. statement yeah. is so that you are going to get your, you know, shit together because you're now dealing with somebody who has enough knowledge to call you on it. If you don't, whether they do or not, it's not even the point, right? It's like, yeah. Uh, you know, yep. my, my cousin's a dentist. So I just want to let you know before you start scratching around in my mouth here that my cousin's a, <laughs> a dentist. So, yeah, we talk all the time about it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. He's actually in the parking lot. He's not going to come in, but he comes with me to all my dentist appointments. <laughs> oh, God. All right. When are we When are we going to get into this, this ward? The ward history? Yeah. Ward? <laughs> yeah. Ward might be. Well, I guess we need to get into Brad first. We haven't even really gotten yeah, into. Yeah, we gotta. You know, gotten into Brad. We gotta pump. I've pretty much all I've done this week is we've got a ton of people on vacation, so I've, uh, I've ran some delivery trucks. I've moved, transferred some stuff from warehouse to warehouse to get things ready, and then I had this morning I had a huge multifamily rough in that had to go out. The customer actually brought his own 53 foot trailer just so that we didn't have to run, you know, three trucks in one day to the job since it's in Raleigh. That's a big so, trailer. So I loaded up a 24 skid multifamily rough end job this morning. <laughs> a 50 feet. That's a semi trailer. Semi trailer full. What is he? Is he pulling it with a semi? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's full, full what semi. Is he- Oh, that, that's a big this, company. No, this company owns, this company has a secondary company that they have a full, like, truck lineup for. So, okay. they just like, well, uh, we'll just send you a 53-footer. That works. I said. Brad, y'all got to step your game up, man. I was like, <laughs> I was like uh, you just let me know when you're going to be here. I'll have it ready. <laughs> so, that was, a, that was a monster this morning, but it was cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, it sounds like a cool customer too. Yeah, no joke. Like if that wasn't planned ahead of time, and they just ponied up and said, "Here, use our semi and trailer." That's pretty helpful. Yep. No, those guys have been have been really good to me. I've I've known them for years, but I really couldn't ever do the amount of business with them that we wanted to do because of where I was before I am now. Um, this one order was more in one order than I sold with them all last year. The place I was before. And they gave you the truck. And helped me out with the truck. Yeah, we'll give you your order of the year, and here's a semi, too. Well, and see, that's the good thing. It's not an order a year now. This is just one of them. Did you take them to lunch riding or something? Oh, yeah, those boys get well taken care of. (laughs) Some donuts? (laughs) No, no, no. I'll take them to good, good lunches. Good lunches. All right. All right, Brad, let's get into what... Because I don't know if I've actually heard the Brad story. I think Grayson over at Keystone may have. but Agent Double O Turner, if anyone yeah. doesn't know. OG Turner. <laughs> so, yeah, let's get into how you got into HVAC and Ward. Yeah, it's uh, so, Ryan, I did. You were asking earlier before we even started the recording, I think. Uh, I did. I grew up here in West North Carolina. I went to. Fairview Elementary, which is right here in Silva, and then Smoky Mountain yep. High School. And then when I graduated from Western Carolina University in 98 with a um, business degree and a major in marketing. And I went moved down to Atlanta and took a sales job, and I was in the semiconductor industry for 10 years. Computer chips. Um, gotcha. Uh, they, they go in 
other things, but most people just loosely call them computer chips. It's interesting because I didn't really have much interest in them then, like from a technical standpoint, and and still don't. But I did it for ten years because because it, it was you know I was learning business and I did a lot of sales and that was that was what I did for ten years and then I got into residential real estate in Atlanta, you know, flipping houses and. Jason Wingate, he and his wife, Nikki, are my business partners. There's three of us that own Ward. And uh, Jason got wind that the Ward family, at the time I'm living in Atlanta, and he's living in South Florida. Hmm. We're both from Silva, and Nikki's from Bryson City. Uh, he and Nikki were living in South Florida, and I was in Atlanta. And he got wind that the Ward family was going to sell, wanting to sell the business, and they also owned... Um, a pretty large track of real estate in downtown Silva that was owned by the business. And the, uh, the owner and operator Keith Ward was going to, you know, retire and sell it. And because Jason and I had done some real estate deals together, he asked me to help him analyze the deal. You know, yeah. See what the real estate, real estate. Were. And we were pretty much solely focused in this moment on the real estate. Cause that was the, the value the, right. the business we had known the business our whole lives having grown up here in silva but you know we weren't hvac or plumbing guys so we just knew the name and it did hvac and plumbing right so um he and nikki bought we decided that it's a good deal and and purchase the real estate and the business and it's kind of funny looking back because we didn't really have certainly didn't have a plan for the business and really hadn't discussed it that much, <laughs> now, to be honest with you. So what honestly, is, what is this business at that time? What did you purchase? Just so there's there's 13 employees and it's it's um it's largely new construction. Um I, they had I think one, maybe two HVAC service technicians, uh two okay. install crews that were I mean just just worth noting both the lead installers were 60 years old um not nice. cuz they've probably been with Keith since they, had. they started yep, they had they had and um no website didn't exist no logo one email address for the whole business whatever i think it was keith.ward at whatever.com it wasn't even a uh, it was like frontier.com or something like that. They're right? downtown and they don't have a logo at all. Yep. Nothing. There's wow. a train. Well, I should, there's a train sign on the building. Cause it it's was co-op forever. <laughs> co-op. Yeah. And then yep. just, just black letters, ward plumbing and heating on a white sign. Okay. And the marketing was, we'll put a banner up at the high school football field. And you know, at the holidays, we'll put something in the silver Herald. And, um, you know, there was one, uh, one computer in the whole building, <laughs> but literally, literally microfish machines. Y'all even know what oh, those are? Dennis, you might. I was a history was major. One... I know all about those bad boys. Well, he's a, he, he so I was a, I, yeah, I was a, I was a history <laughs> and entrepreneurial business major at I got Western. You. So go cats. Yeah. He read about it. I walked it. in he and don't... saw the microfish machine seen one myself although i used them doing research in college this is a bit yep, this me in, too you know, the same library <laughs> yeah at hunter library um but now i'm seeing one for the first time and right at 20 years you know and i'm like wow what is, is this like 
an you know basically you're keeping this because it's an antique and and I get to looking around and there's still some micro fish reels there and like they still got the train marketing material. I was gonna say was that like the old their old train books? Yeah, that's so, how that's some, awesome. some of the data would come to you on that's awesome. microfish. Ah, you can put that on eBay and recoup some of the money. Probably. But Dennis, you've seen the Coke machine in our lobby. I have. It's fantastic. Like that's been there since oh yeah, eighties you know, or whatever. I don't know the exact date. So the business was, you know, very, very dated, not just because it was a legacy business of at that time, you know, over 35 years old, but because there just hadn't been any modernization done, period. The whole, the whole business right. was run off paper. Um, they had QuickBooks, but, um, you know, it wasn't being used to any extent besides, well, I'll put it to you this way. At that time, the company invoiced once a month. So for like, if you, you had a service call on December 1st, you didn't stand a chance of getting an invoice until, <laughs> until the mom, <laughs> who was 80, and later that month and did her invoicing. And then she would place that invo invoice, printed of course, in an envelope and put a stamp on it and mail it to you. And hmm. then you had 30 days to pay it. So... You know, if you did something Time early in the month, call everybody. You, you effectively had sixty day terms if you did something early <laughs> right. in the month. And now um, you have thirty seconds to pay. Yeah, well, we're usually not leaving. No, yeah, you yeah. now yeah, until we're you, just gonna hang out until you pay us. Yeah, we'll swap <laughs> the card for you. Enter. So, oh, uh, there's two other fun facts about just kind of how dated the business was. Um, then offer financing, of course, to financing. Um, almost always requires some technology and there were yep. some kind of out, outdated views on it did not accept credit cards 2014 that's what we're talking about here oh hmm. you couldn't pay with one you couldn't pay with one the company did not have the capability to process that credit card payment in 2014 they could have drug out the swiper like from oh uh, yeah i mean home alone <laughs> right or whatever <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah a little blueprint. The old carbon swiper. copy. Yeah, old carbon school. copy. <laughs> 13 employees, I think, somewhere right in that area. And um, so you had, the, you know, your two install crews doing primarily new construction and, and some change outs. But, but a lot of the year they were tied up on new construction. And we had a uh, couple plumbing crews that, again, were doing new construction. And I think, I can't even remember, but I believe there was one service plumber. And, and that's where we were, you know, that's what we were starting with. So Jason and I walk in one day in September of 2014 and we've already purchased the business, but no one there knows it because we're doing it, you know, with the owner. I don't think, I don't, I don't know what, to what extent he'd let people know he's planning to retire. I assume it was kind of apparent, but it wasn't announced. Does that make sense? Right. Right. Um, and we just walk in and tell them we're the new guys. We now own the business. By the way, Jason's going back to South Florida. Uh, I'm in the process of moving here, but I'll be, you know, the new general manager and co-owner of the business. And what would your what would your first question be in that scenario if you worked <laughs> at a at an HVAC and plumbing business? Yeah, it would be, "What do you know about HVAC and plumbing?" Right? Mm -hmm. And sure enough, they asked that, and I had the pleasure of telling them jack shit. You know, that's not <laughs> carry on. 
Yeah, go sell um, something. <laughs> but it did. It did. I had a lot. I had a lot to learn, and still have a lot to learn, of course. But it it did allow me to focus on the parts of the business that you know, some of which I've mentioned here, that were really outdated and needed modernized yeah. and improved. That, yeah. that if I had been a tech, bought an HVAC or plum, and plumbing business, I probably would have jumped right into teching, right? And and so it's actually yeah, you it was you came in because you came in with people that knew what they were doing, but just had to fix you know, the business. systems and the processes and the business to make them more efficient in what they were doing. Yeah. It was actually and the I best was, way to, to get it going. Honestly, yeah. if you think about it, I mean, the guys we had were good and knowledgeable. There's, there's only one left by the way. Um, because as you start modernizing a business, particularly one that's, that's, you know, relatively or kind of shockingly antiquated, um, I mean, honestly, it's a you, shock that they were that antiquated when you just told me all that. I never would have thought that from from what oh, they did know, great work. I mean, I they did. were known for they were known for great work, but they just the systems and the modernization process, you know, technology especially was just ab- absent totally. Well, lacking, so listen to what you're saying. Like the name, you kept it, so I yes. know that that lets me know that. We got to keep something around. Yep. People know, you know, you didn't have to rebrand the absolute whole entire thing. It was known well before us for, for good work, good right. quality work. And so, and not just a few years of it either. Cause even then, you know, the, the business was started in 1977 and we're talking, everything I'm talking about now is happening in 2000, late 2014. So 37 years. Um, you know, you don't, you don't just hang around for 37 years. You're, you're doing no. a, a lot of things very well and they were, right. um, but it was new construction focused to a large extent, which we don't even do. We don't even offer new construction anymore and haven't since 2019. I never realized they were that heavy new construction either. Yeah. Well, when you only have a couple install crews, it's not like you're just out, you know, every house in the area you're getting, but but the the builders that wanted to, you know, build on quality, yep. budget, uh, Ward was the choice for them, I think, in, in many many situations. Because Keith, cause Keith was, and I'm sure still is, you know, very knowledgeable, took it seriously when it came to doing work right. Uh, and that's what okay. they were known for. Um, so that was an excellent thing to, to acquire and continue upon, of course, that... Uh, that quality of work, but we had a lot of modernization to do and we've done, you know, we've changed a lot of things about the business. And that's, I think where the, some of the attrition came from as far as employees. Yeah. If you told somebody, told somebody that you bought a business that had 14 employees and here it is 10 years later and you've only got one left, that would sound bad in the beginning. Right. I would be like, Oh, what, what did you do? Did you come in and run people off? But one, you had quite a few of them that were, you know, near retirement age. Yeah. Yeah. They aged out, but then also some that weren't going to take the trip. You know, you go from mm-hmm. working on paper and not using any technology to, you know, now, for example, we have a, a we have core values that we use as kind of like our our uh, our guiding principles as a business. One of them is technology, um, and that was intentional. You know, because I saw that we had to. <laughs> not yeah. just it was not just be not just beef up yeah. the technology a little bit, but 
starting below ground well, zero here. Right, yeah. And that's a good <laughs> point. I mean, like you bring in technology, bringing in technology only works if everybody's willing to take it on. Right. Yeah, I mean, I have interviewed technicians that um, were clearly skilled at the trades, and some but would tell you, you know, in an interview. And I'm sure you guys have probably encountered this a little bit. You know, I'm I'm not one of those iPad guys. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be doing that. And our response hmm. to that is, you know, I'm sure you'll do well somewhere else. But <laughs> I was waiting for you to be like, well, that's great because we use. A Samsung tablet. Here you go. No, no, no. We, we, use, <laughs> we use iPads, and you know, I tell them nicely, we don't Good have try, another way. <laughs> Good try, no, Ryan. No Android. Get over that, here. That's the great here. answer if you ever need <laughs> that it. Would be, that would be a hilarious answer. Um, that's cool because we use iPad Mini. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I assume you don't know what that is, but there's such a thing. Um, <laughs> we use actually we use an advanced version of the Barnes and Noble Nook. Here you go. Yeah. So what so I that's what part I of our interviewing process now, right? You know, are yeah. you, are you, oh, yeah. is this? I'm not saying you have to know it now, but you've got to be willing to learn it because we don't have another way. I'm not whipping back out to try copy paper because you're a good, a, even a great tech. It's just this is part of what we do, and we're you're going to do it or or it's not like you're going to do it or well, it is. You're going to do it or hit the road. <laughs> I mean, well, and, ultimately that right. that's what it is. Well, and as you as we start to talk about. As you built the future of Ward, I've got to slam in some some funny history of HVAC in Western North Carolina. So Keith started his business in 1977, as did my father in Bryson City and George Hare, who started Geno's. They all were 1977. Keith was the train dealer. My dad was the York dealer. And George was a carrier dealer when they started. And then my dad became a rude dealer in 1990 when York changed hands and wasn't a fan of the new salespeople that kind of took over it all. But the funny thing is, so Cheryl, Keith's wife, and my mother were the two kindergarten teachers at West Elementary, but they're both married to two of the main heating contractors in the region. So my mom taught Keith's kids and Cheryl taught me. And for the longest time as a kid, Keith's son, Rick, who was a couple years older than me, I got his hand-me-downs for years. <laughs> for yeah. And Heather and I went to daycare together and then eventually ended up at Western together. So Get it's funny, out of like here. Yeah, oh, yeah. So it's funny, like, knowing all those people, you know, for my whole life. But And, you know, we used to do... Dad would do stuff with George from time to time because Dad had a H1 and George and those guys didn't. Which mm-hmm. I think Keith always had a H1 on hand. With he did. Either, I couldn't remember if he had it or if one of his other guys did. But we used to do a lot of like boiler tie-ins and stuff to help George out. And all three of them were always good, solid competitors forever in the right kind of way. So it's just it's kind of funny when when I found that Dennis was working with you and then everything else. And I started hearing the story. I was like, I can't wait to just dig into the funny backstory of this whole situation. That's amazing. Yeah, now you're drinking beer out of a ward koozie. I know. Right. <laughs> right. There you go. I don't tell, I won't tell dad. <laughs> I told Ryan, I was like, yeah, I'm, we're going to, I'm going to ride up today and, uh, we're going to see ward, ward, ward plumbing, heating and cooling up there. He's like, you're kidding. Right. I'm like, 
No, no. I was like, seriously, that's awesome. The big boss guys, we're gonna pop in, hang out. He's like, oh gosh. And like he, I, I never. I'll be honest. I never would have realized that they were, in some ways, at that time, had not moved through as much technology as they had, because my whole so I where I was the entrepreneurial business major, I was looking at all the things that Dad was screwing up. I hate to say it, Dad, but it was true. So we started modernizing the business as much as I could with him, especially my last year of school. Um, we got the website put together, social media, all that other stuff. But he just, he he didn't know how to deal with a lot of that. So it made it, that transition was tough. So I can understand why they hadn't had it. It just shocks me that they really didn't. You know, it's yeah. Jason and I were just having this conversation last night. It's coming for all of us. Yeah. I, we can make oh, yeah. fun of, you know, we can have fun with the generation before us and how they, you know. Just, oh, we're going to be that, we're gonna be that got, generation in 20 years. We're going to be like, no, I'm good yeah. with, I'm good with my iPad. Thanks. Yeah. And people <laughs> go, You're still sitting there thumbing that thing. You don't have yeah. to do that anymore. Like you don't have to. You, what are, you, are you texting? No one does that anymore. You just right. you know, AI think it, right? You just have to it. think it. I already know it. Um, but we were we were just talking about that last, this exact conversation last night. Like, what will be our thing? And Jason immediately said that it's going to be probably something related to AI. You know, some things that uh, AI will do that will, like cars. Mm. The example Jason used, like we're going to be telling our kids or maybe our grandkids, you know, like, I want to drive the car. And they're like, what are you, fucking crazy? We don't drive these things. You can kill <laughs> drive somebody. The car. Like, yeah. yeah, you're going you're gonna to have a wreck doing that. You can't do that. You can't even drive this. That's not, it's not even how it works. Like, no, what do you mean that's not how it works? You, you said it. you had a car. I know what a car <laughs> is. You, Yeah, it's metal. It hurts. You wreck it. That's what I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, I just no. I just get in, and it just takes me where I want to go, and then uh, it's a monthly me, fee. Yeah, a monthly exactly. Fee. Whatever. Who knows you know what it coming. look like? But. Yeah, and there's and I order food, and it just it's in there when I get in, and um, the monthly thing. No, Dad, I've paid the subscription. You don't have to drive the car. Like it's it's gonna be set. This, yeah. Dad, I paid. <laughs> I'm waiting out here at the mailbox. Nothing's pulling up. Did you pay the subscription? <laughs> oh, you know what? I got a new debit well, card on there. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah, no, those won't exist either. And it's hilarious that you said mailbox because I'm sure those will be gone at some point. All the, yeah, they're done. We're trying. Yeah. We're trying to make this relatable with our own phrases, and even them are funny, right? Like I'm waiting by the mailbox, and somebody you say that probably in 20 years, and somebody will be like, "What you, mailbox? Like what? What are you talking uh, about? Box? You know what? I wish the yep. mail. The mail is pretty bad now. I despise it. It's uh, it's not it's not good. It's not good. I mean, so I remember, I don't know, five, ten years ago, I'm like, they want me to auto, like, auto draft out of my account for their bill? Like, I ain't doing that. Yep. Now, I don't even know if I have a bill that I pay, like, physically. <laughs> yeah. It just, it just, just comes out. No, I I know for sure that I'm – I don't know for sure because if I did, I might do something about it, but I feel very confident that we're paying for at least a half dozen TV channels that I've never even watched. <laughs> Yeah, or I watched one almost. time. I think everyone like is in that. Yeah, everyone is yeah. in the boat now. Boy, hadn't that game I, changed? Yeah, we're on. I think on, we could probably start a TV channel, a very successful <laughs> one, because I think I've figured out oh, their 
their strategy. It's you got to land that one show that everybody's going to watch. You know, like uh, I feel like Yellowstone when it first came out was on like, you know, Hulu's on Flix or some channel I'd never even heard of. And of course we got it, right? Because $5.99 a month. You got to watch it. (laughs) I don't think we've watched anything on that since. Because now I can't remember the name of the channel, but I'm sure I'm still paying the $5.99 a month. Paramount Paramount Plus. Yeah, now you're still paying it and you don't watch nothing on Paramount Plus. No. You're just paying it for, you know, because it's just. We just got to find that one show that everybody. (laughs) Well, everybody wants somehow. Somehow Paramount pulled off. I don't know what they paid for this. Somehow they pulled off getting the Champions League. So I'm a soccer guy. So now I'm stuck keeping it. Well, at least you got a reason. I know, but it's just. The rest of us are keeping it. We just don't know it. Now, what's that? Isn't there like some app that I keep seeing advertised that'll like tell you what every single subscription you have and it'll just auto cancel it for you if you tell them to cancel it? There is. Guess what? Does it even work? I probably have it. I probably have it. I probably have it and forgot to use it. Don't say it. They're not paying us either. (laughs) No. What's that? That's what, to, that's what needs to sponsor the podcast right there. <laughs> Actually, the podcast I listen to, they do, they're on there. I heard, I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, they go through all your subscriptions that somehow I can tell if you've clicked on them or not. If you haven't in so long, it just cancels it, which, yeah, we could all probably use that. Sounds like a great idea. All right, let's get into, because this is what I noticed when I made a call to Ward the first time, was the culture of the business. Like, um, and you can probably take us through what it was when you started as opposed to what it is now, but um, this is a big conversation in the heating and air industry, me and Ryan being a podcast. We hear this a lot. I see it a lot on Instagram. Um, keeping guys happy, keeping them around. What's your take on the culture of the business? Well, um, when we start when we started in 2014, everyone was paid hourly, and um, and everybody was billed hourly unless it was a, a new construction job or. Uh, HVAC contract jobs, you know, retrofits or or swap outs where replacements were done on the contract, but everything else was still billed hourly and all the employees were were paid hourly. And so I remember like really, everybody knows it got hard to find texts there for a while. And I mean, I remember just like thinking I'm going to have to like go travel to places and just walk into bars, restaurants, whatever, and just start asking <laughs> people, are you a plumber? Like it was are so you a plumber? Difficult. Would you like to be? And there were only like, you know, a handful of known plumbers in this That's area. True. Everybody That's knew true. their, everybody knew their names and you mm-hmm. weren't going to hire them because they basically had their own business. And, um, so it was very, very challenging and to build a business. I can't build a business without, I can't build an HVAC and plumbing business without technicians. And, um, and we weren't growing, you know, from 2014 till 17, we didn't, we didn't grow very much. And the, and the main issue was not being able to 
the words even interesting fine text right yeah um, or, well that or just find people that were willing to learn to be text. learn and that was also a very big challenge and still is but it's gotten a lot better oh, yeah. for us because because of the culture that we have created so we I started learning some and talking to other contractors and some of the, you know, consulting groups, if you will, and trade experts, if that's the word you want to use. And um, learned about, you know, performance pay and flat rate pricing, which are two things that we, you know, live by now, but we didn't then. Yep. Um, I was going to say, what year? I don't want to derail you. Flat rate. When, when was that? That was not long after 14, right? Yeah, that really started happening in between, like, well, really, 14-year changeover was when I started seeing flat rate like crazy. Okay. That's what I'm okay. Yeah. That's about when I came in, 2014. Um, I think we were at 12 or 13 seer then, and then, you know, jumped up to 14 shortly thereafter. Yeah. I didn't realize those two things coincided because I was, well, I guess because I was ignorant and still learning. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, so we started guess, with our, yeah, I was gonna say, with our install crews. Okay, that makes sense. So I fell into it more than uh, making it happen, more than likely. But um, we we started out by our member man laboring over Excel spreadsheets for months, uh, looking at how we were estimating HVAC install jobs. Um, at this time, I was focusing more mostly on replacements and, and figuring out my math. So this is what I was doing. I was going to figure out how I could go to these basically two install crews, four people, this is where I was going to start right. and tell them, well, we're going to pay you for the job, not for how long it takes you to do it. But I had to figure out a way where I could at least <laughs> illustrate three of them, them left, that right? That yeah. they could make more money doing this. Right. Right. Yep. Also convey that it's going to start as an unknown <laughs> because you could make less <laughs> if you take this. So at that time, our standard operating procedure on a replacement was it was going to be a two-day ordeal. That was hmm. good because wow. what the crews would do, first of all, what they would do was I would Keith, Keith taught me this behavior. You start the day by looking out the window or walking down there, finding out why in the hell they're still here at nine o'clock. <laughs> That's the most important thing you're going to do as the manager is get to the bottom of that. You know, why is it nine o'clock and we're still here? So that's, that's where we start. And the norm was you're going to go drive out to this change out that sure it might be here in Silva, but it also might be in Lake Toxaway. Yeah, which is being, yeah, solid right. hour away. Solid yeah. hour away. You're going to drive there. You know, look at everything, particularly the duct transitions and things that you might have to. And you're going to come back mm. to Silva. And you're going to go down behind the building to the metal shop, which if the job's in Toxaway, it's lunch. Yep. Now. Right. So now you're going to lunch. After lunch. Now you're going to Boston Brewery over there. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you're going to build those transitions that yep. you spec'd out on your own. Yep. If, if the job is in Lake Toxaway, for example, you're not even going back today. Nope. You're going back tomorrow. So we're at day two. 
maybe out of heat or air, you know. And it was day two, and we've not actually laid hands on anything at the job. We've just made some metal in our metal shop, and now tomorrow we're going back. So now you got to do the job that, you know, the world calls a one-day job. One day in, you ain't even started it, essentially. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, right. And that was, the, that was the norm. And it's not because people were particularly, you know, it's not like they were, quote, unquote, taking advantage of the business. That was just the norm. That was the that expectation, was, you know. Right. And that's how we did it. Um, so we changed the way that they got paid around 2017. And we started with the install crews to pay them by the job. And it went very, very well. We went, our, our installers immediately started making more money. And we started getting more jobs done. So it's one of those rare win-wins in a business. Yep. When, when you're paying people hourly, um, which I, don't, I no longer believe in at all, at least in our trades, um, you know, you get what you pay for. It's one of the oldest truisms that there is. And what are you paying for? Right. Hours. Yep. What do you expect to get? The only way you can make more money is work more hours. What are you going to get? More hours. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that, I mean, that's, it's very straightforward, kind of simple concept, unless you've never taken the time to think about it. So, that's where we started was and a, a, a big culture change because it went from I'll put it to you this way. And Dennis, I don't know. You may have even had a glimpse of this a few times being at our shop, but I could show you sometime if you're there. That coin has been completely flipped from anybody looking out the window to see why we're not out on the job to, if anything, our crews are up our asses, us being, you know, support staff. They want to know where the stuff is. They're not frantic, but they no, don't want their when time. They, go, they get done and go home. They're, they're not racing to see how long they can stay out there on the job. Yep. No, well, I will tell you when I do training, when I did training at Ward, uh, from eight to 12 at 1150, Aaron was looking at me like, wrap it Time up, big guy. Yep, these, these guys are ready to go make some money. <laughs> and, um. and I and I said, all right, thanks for having me out. We're good. And they're looking at me, and they're like, and I'm like, don't all run off at one time, you know? And I'm like, no, I'm getting, the, I'm getting the, uh, you know, wrap it up from the guy in the back over here. Like, <laughs> well, it's a good, it's a good balance, though, because – that's right. another thing that we've changed from a culture standpoint is our our respect for, admiration of, and need for training. Um, I started hearing in interviews with people way more than I anticipated. I, I think even in my own head, I thought of training as kind of like something people are somewhat forced to do. <laughs> and, right. and, you know, having sat through a lot of training in my own career, different stuff, but Sometimes that's what it feels like, right? Well, we got this training today and they're, they're making us doing it and I'll be sitting in a room and there will be training. And I started yeah. hearing from technicians, particularly younger ones that were, you know, somewhat newer in the trade. That was one, that was very high on their list of priorities was access to training. Um, and so we have two I online. Love to hear that. Yeah, no joke. Yeah, not you should. I'm a trainer, but not, not just I'm a trainer, but. The, the guy that I worked for said, we ain't got time for that. And I picked up multiple bad habits in this industry 
because I wasn't sitting in enough training. I was winging it, learning from what he learned, and uh, he didn't do training. <laughs> you know, he learned from a guy that didn't do training, learned the right way. Now, take YouTube, take all that out, right? Like, that just wasn't really a big thing. Nope. Um, as it is now, the guys we have now putting out training videos, technical knowledge. So, you learn from a guy, learn from a guy, learn from a guy. They all did it wrong. I hate to, you know, I don't want to piss anybody off, but that's what it was. They were not mm -hmm. doing it right. And these young guys now are, are online. They're like, man, I want to, you know, I want a guy to come to our shop. Do y'all do that? Like, I love to hear that. That's that was, definitely... that was one of the things that I appreciated the most about my dad. And he's still the same way now. Like if there was a training class, buddy, we went to it. I mean, we nice. drive to Asheville, we drive to Hickory. It didn't matter. Um, dad was always you got to learn something new every day period um i mean by the time i was 18 i had like a wall of just random certifications from either like <laughs> iq drive training i mean half the time it would be stuff we didn't sell but he's like you're gonna work on it we're gonna go train it okay that's awesome um, i'll never yeah, forget the first training i had in valdez for bosch and ryden's dad come in this dude's in his 80s yeah he'll be 83 in april he sits in the front row with his pad and his pen, and I'm like, this shit, this guy's ready to go. Like, <laughs> and he grilled my ass the whole time. Like, <laughs> and you know what? He took like three pages of notes. He's in his 80s. But I love yeah, it. They don't, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, yeah, that, I mean, that was, I was pumped to see that. But yeah, I'm glad somebody didn't give him the memo that you give him the memo that you're supposed to be pissed off after 20 years right uh, right <laughs> well and i mean for him i mean hvac was the second career for him which is even crazier he had been yeah he spent 10 years in a shipyard two years on an oil rig and another 10 as a maintenance supervisor for a massive chemical plant and then his best friend who is his pastor took over a church in cherokee and in 76, dad and his first wife vacationed up there and he just fell in love with the place. And he said, if anything can help me figure out how to fix this first one, you know, maybe it's coming here. And he went back, sold his house in two weeks, put in his notice, and he moved to Bryson City with nothing. No, no job, no nothing. And he started just working on refrigeration systems, whatever he could get, you know, whatever he could do. And then if about a year later, he got a letter from the state inviting him to come take his licensing exam because someone had turned him in saying that he was putting in equipment without a license. So the state inspector came out, inspected everything, and he wasn't. And then a couple of weeks later, he got the letter from the board to come take his test. An invitation. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Nuts. You don't see that much anymore. <laughs> I've never heard that one before. Yeah. Yeah. And then we did what we did awesome work. Story. We did work for the state forever. Like we put, we put the equipment in Dale Dawson's parents' house in Asheville. And that was when Dale was, so before Dale was head of the board, he was over Western North Carolina. So we got to yeah. be really good friends with him because anytime he found a problem, we were the guys that he called to come and fix it for him. Oh, we yeah. fixed so you say, oh, God, We fixed stuff everywhere. Yeah. Would you say your dad has a, you know, an engineer's mind. That's what it sounds like. Oh, like it's, he, I wish oh, yeah. I, I wish I had a pinky's worth 
of what he's got in his brain when it comes to how mechanical things work. It's nuts. So when you when you said how many jobs do I go to where it's not the equipment, if Cajun Joe calls me, I'm like It's probably the equipment. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did Bosch do this time? <laughs> yeah, it's probably the equipment. You, he's got it's the else equipment. Right. It is, because he ain't calling until he checks all the boxes. But that's that I say that's that generation, right? But then that's why I'm excited to hear you say, like, I think this next generation might surprise us. You know what I mean? I mean, hopeful. Everyone says, everyone says they don't want to work. I mean, a lot of people say that. And I, I'm just not seeing that the way Right. I think I think it gets said. Um, I think they want I to think, work differently. I think they want to get paid. Yeah, that um, too. I mean, hey, who? I mean, come on. And that's like, that's why we go to work, right? I mean, that's the main one of the main reasons we go to work. You want it to be rewarding in other ways, but ultimately, it's also going to pay the bills. And I think here in Western North Carolina, you know, and probably a lot of other rural areas where there's not as much competition, and there's you know, you can kind of be set in your ways in some ways and get away with it, and still have a pretty decent business. There's not many other contractors in this area that are that are treating their employees with respect to kind of the stuff that we're talking about. You know, we definitely offer more training opportunities for our employees. We definitely offer much better compensation. And getting back to what I was, I was saying earlier, you know, they're in that 2017, 18 range. That's when it started getting common for techs to, you know, want to make 25 or $30 an hour. Um, right. And I was, I was having trouble making that work making that work mathematically in my head because I was having to use our current production rates didn't, yep compensation <laughs> scale right and it didn't work yeah it we're didn't justify charge. it based on what you were getting out of yeah everything my god we're gonna have to charge 12 grand for a change out which is the norm now but it wasn't then yeah um, no, well, right I'm looking at if we're gonna take three days to do these change outs <laughs> I'm going to pay these guys $30 an hour. It's going to add up, right? Um, and so we changed that. And 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 now our technicians, I'm not saying that, that they're currently down there beating down the door, but we definitely have a lot more people applying, and not even just in this last year when it seems to have loosened up a little bit, even before that, because they've heard that's how we do it. So you start right. getting people that already think the way you want them to think, so I started out by having to try to change the way people thought. And now we have people join the team because they already think that way. They already have some entrepreneurial spirit and they already, they already want to take care of customers. Um, a big turning point for us um, was around that same time. I think, I think it might've been 2018, 17 or 18 when I went to the, um, the HR expo in Atlanta and yep. I was in one of the breakout sessions and this one was on, um, culture, you know, uh, brand. How do you, how do you create a business, a trades business that stands out? Uh, that might even been called the name of the, I don't remember the name of the course, but there's, there's a hundred contractors in this big room in the, in the, uh, world Congress center in Atlanta. Yep. And that's the topic. And this guy said something that I, I share this with people, even our own employees pretty often. Um, he, he asked the room, 
It says, you know, it's full HVAC contractor. He says, I just want to ask a question and get you guys just quick feedback. Don't overthink this, but what is the reason why someone should do business with you instead of another contractor? And hands fly up and he, he takes five or six answers and they're all right in the realm of, can you guys guess what it was? Hmm. I'm curious. They're, they're all right in the realm of we do great We work. do the best work. Right. Yeah. And and he goes, uh, he already knows what the answer is going to be because he's, you know, he's, he's done this bit before. <laughs> and he, he flashes up the, uh, he's got the big screen in front of the room and he pulls up the South. He said, well, he says, how many of you have an airline that you really like to fly? You know, if, if at all possible, you're going to fly this airline. And hands go up and people name different ones, you know, Delta, United, Southwest, whatever. And he says, well, mine's, mine's Southwest. And he says, uh, he puts their logo up on the screen in the front of the room and he's added underneath, you know, the Southwest logo is the plane taking off, you know, mm-hmm. uh, 45 degree angle. And it says Southwest Airlines. And he's he's added underneath Southwest Airlines, his own text, like as if it were their tagline. And it says, Southwest Airlines, we land our planes. <laughs> <laughs> and he says to all hundred of us, when you say that someone should do business with you because you do good work, that's what you're saying. You land the plane. No one's going to call you if they don't think you can do HVAC yep. to do to do right. HVAC or plumbing. That's presumed. You know, that's not a customer's expectation for why they would do business with you or why they would tell their friends and neighbors to do business with you because you you did a good job. You got to give them something more. You got to give them an experience right. whereby they would say to their friend and neighbor, "Man, I wouldn't call anybody besides Ward. Those those guys took care of me." Yep. Um, and it started with some pretty simple stuff here in the in the mountains that I know you can relate to, right? Like, believe it or not, answering the telephone. No joke. <laughs> and I mean, and I get it. If you're a small business owner and you're up in a holler and you have no service, that's one thing. But if it's you got to figure it out, it. you got to gotta, know you're right, Brad. You got to yeah. figure it out. You got to figure yeah. it out. Now, people are not calling to not have someone answer the phone. Yep. Um, and then when you tell them you're going to come tomorrow, guess when you need to go tomorrow. Like you said, oh, otherwise, yeah. we're, uh, otherwise, we're going to tell their friends and neighbors. Oh, yeah. They didn't even answer. I mean, I still hear that all the time around here. I deal with it myself, right? I try to call people to get something done at my house, and shit, they're not, here it is. I'm gonna have to call them again, and then a week later, I'm gonna call them again. I'm basically gonna harass them into calling to me back. I'm not trying to be, yeah, <laughs> and I'm not gonna try to be. I'm not trying to be critical of anybody. It's specific, obviously, but that's still a thing here. I think it's no, a thing it everywhere. Still is. I mean, uh, when, I would, know, so when I would when I would go that. in, this is what when I was still working in college. You know, I'd go in and I'd. Hit, you know, seven thirty in the morning. All right, let's see who called last night. And you hit the old tape recorder. <laughs> yeah, Jeez. and you're like, okay, all right, Mrs. Johnson, phone number. Uh, furnace won't work. Mrs. Stevenson, heat pump not running. And then you, you know, and then one at a time, you call them back and you triage. Them, you know, and you put them on the schedule. <laughs> well, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. At least you were you were calling them back. Um, and that was the technology available at the time. Yep. Of course, now we can automate quite a few more things and yeah. give people the the um, 
I don't want to call it the illusion of responsiveness, but the feeling of responsiveness, even if it's not immediately fixing their problem, right? Yeah. They, they're engaged and they know you, you're, you're on it. Correct. Um, and we, and we use technology a lot to do that, but, um, that, that guy saying that, that in Atlanta really stuck with me. And man, some of those conferences, yeah, you, you talk to some of those guys, some of that stuff, it hits like it clicks. Yep. That one on did. Town. Yeah. I've been to them. I've been to them. Which we got when, back. I was going to say, when did you like, go? I'm ready to go. I was going to say, that was the same year there. that it, that was our first AHR, Dennis. I think in Atlanta, what was that, 19? Is that what you said? It might have been 18, 18. or 19. No, it was 18. I think, I, I think it was 18. So I came back from that kind of charge and, and like yeah. realizing that in a weird way that I had to, I had to use some of what I already had in me with business experience and sales and customer service experience more than I was. I was really right. focused on like learning this business, this business being Ward. Yep. Maybe more so believing in some of what I already knew. When that guy told me that, I'm like, damn, I, I couldn't be more right. Like, I'm up here focusing on landing the plane. And we already do that. And, I, and, and therefore, all the team is focusing on landing the plane, but everybody just knows we land the plane. Right. That's why they're calling, but we right. got to get them. We got to get them something else. So it was a pretty big turning point when we really started incorporating more technology and changing. So I guess I'm trying to put together some pieces of the puzzle there for you to ask when you asked about culture, Dennis, is that everybody now, 52 employees, and they everybody embraces these things that we're talking about from responsiveness. Uh, for example, professionalism, professional and professionalism are the two most common used words in our 1700 plus Google reviews. That's not to brag. It's just you asked about culture and yeah. we've done some things that I, that I feel are different, especially for this area that have that have really worked well for us that don't, you know, again, don't have everything to do with HVAC or plumbing. They have more to do with how how your the experience that your customers and even more importantly your your teammates have. That's the culture. Well, I think that's yes. I think you know, business to business, town to town, they can hire a guy that can braise a pipe, you know, install a water heater, yep. right? But <clears throat> yep, it's so easy to get caught up in. Yeah, we do. We we put that copper in the best. Yeah, the example but, I always used it. Like the homeowner's like, no shit. Like, <laughs> it goes in <laughs> one way. Is it hot? Is it not? Like, you know, like plumbing, whatever. Is it cooling or is it not? Um, how was the process? How was the experience? How was, um, you know, there was a time where, Nobody threw down drop cloths, right? Nobody had booties on their shoes. Yep. Like all that's advancing. That has nothing to do with does it work yeah. or it doesn't, right? That's yeah, you my don't... my parents were like the the thermostat, the two numbers match, we're good. Like they came in, they put it in, whatever. Now it's like 
It starts at the door. It starts at the doorbell. I mean, it starts at the phone call. Yeah, yeah it starts at the phone call. Way back, but you know, to add to your point, you, you know, you keep saying in your town, let's 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 throw Atlanta in there where where I was. You know, I was in line with three vans in front of me to give a quote. So you better do something different, right? Well, no, no, no. right. All that still matters because that guy in front of you, he does that all day. He's going to go in there and it's going to feel like a, you know, a broken record. Boom, boom, boom. But how do you separate yourself? So there's two ways, I I believe, to to over. Not yeah, to oversimplify, yeah. but you got two ways you can you can separate yourself. You can be cheap, and there's a certain number of people who will buy that, right? Um, right. And the and the formula for being cheap, it really isn't that difficult. So, and I, and I tell this, I, I train on this sometimes too. But we're going to stop carrying the best brands. You know, we're, we're, we're a Bosch dealer, as you know, Dennis, and we believe very much in the quality of Bosch products and the support that you guys give us. And we're a train dealer and have been since it was GE. You mentioned that, Ryden, that you knew mm-hmm. we were a train dealer and that, and, uh, Ward was actually a train dealer when it was GE. Um, I don't know if they changed the sign on the building, but that's how far it goes back. Um, yeah, train bought GE's residential. That's pretty much how train started in the residential. Yep. Market. Yep. Um, and now GE's trying to come back. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to be the cheapest, you know, you stop the best brands. You certainly don't compensate or reward or treat your employees the best because that's expensive, right? And, and right. you don't, there's a whole host of things that you can do to be cheap. And uh, there's a lot of contractors that focus on that. And there's a place for it, right? I mean, Goodman's not a small business, and I'm not even saying there's anything wrong with Goodman equipment inherently, but we all know it's cheap, right? right. We all know it's cheap. That's what yeah. that's what they've gone for, right? Yep. And, um That's the direction they went, right. Yeah. And then the other alternative you have is to be better. And that used to mean, to your point, Dennis, you know, our parents' generation, that you did the best work. Now that means you do the best work and you provide your customers with a, an experience that they recognize as different that, than what they would get, not necessarily from your competitors per se, but just from other people that they call to work on their home. And right. that's how I feel that we've done, but that can't be done by, you know, me, by Brad. In fact, I have, you know, less customer contact at this point than virtually any of our other employees almost everybody you know besides some people in the warehouse and um, purely logistical functions virtually everybody our techs certainly have more customer contact than i do our comfort advisors have more customer contact than i do our client care people obviously do you know even our accounting people literally have more customer contact than (laughs) i do so everyone has to be part of that Um, and everyone has to embrace this idea that we're going to be not just put in a better capacitor. That's the example I always use, by the way, Dennis. I always tell our, especially our HVAC techs, as soon as customers start mentioning capacitors and reviews, I believe, I'll believe they give a shit. And not one has yet. <laughs> right. But word capacitor is not in one of 1,700 reviews. <laughs> because <laughs> they don't know what a capacitor is, right? I mean, how, why would they, right. why would they right. bring that up? What is in there is professionalism. They were on time. 
They were respectful. They made me feel comfortable. I was glad they came to my home. You know, these are the things that, that make the difference because no one knows what a capacitor is. That's so it, it, when I showed up, you know, Ward had me up for some boss training and it had been a while since they had training. And because I came from the contractor side where it was me and one guy and we tried to build it up and in Atlanta where homeowners will chew you up and spit you out. Right. When I walked into ward, you know, and I, I would say this about any contractor we have on the show, when I walked in the ward and set up to do training, I can feel the difference. I can spot it. The guys like they're, they're, I hate to say bright eyed and bushy tailed, right? They're stoked. They got training today. They're like already asking questions. What about this? I'm like, I'm going to get to that. Just sit down, you know, <laughs> and, and I, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I like had to immediately become a teacher and I hate to do that because I'm a contractor, you know, at heart, but, but they're like, let's go. You, you can see it. You can feel it. What? I'll go to a contract. You know, I was at one a couple weeks ago. I showed up at a shop. I pulled in there. The guys are dragging ass coming in. You know, it starts at eight and it's eight forty-five, and I got like two guys in there. You know, you're wondering where the hell everybody names, is. But, yeah. but, you know, they're, they're probably struggling with the culture. I know they are. I don't even have to, I don't have to see any, <laughs> spreadsheets or nothing like I can feel it um and it's it's a I think that's the ticket nowadays because just that little bit right that you see or you know guys come in they sit down they're they're stoked about some training they're gonna learn something then they're gonna get on that shows me that's already been built and that that goes out to the field it goes to the homeowner if you don't have that at your company, you got to have it. That's just where we're headed. It, and it, it's the profitability. Like you can take it all the way down, right? Like you said, you, how you charge, how you pay. It all comes from that. I think culture nowadays is number one. Like, yeah, it's a, it immediately transitions over to profit. Because, you know, we're everybody not wants to talk on, about money, right? But Well, that's what we're here to do. I mean, we're here to do HVAC and plumbing, but you got to be profitable or you're going to go bankrupt and you don't get to do HVAC and plumbing anymore. Um, well, that's right. And the problem is people still to this day just struggle with us wanting to be profitable. And then, and I see it on the other side, a lot of contractors don't want, don't understand that the distributor has to be profitable too. That's a whole other way to go with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, we, I mentioned our core values a couple of times. We have a chart that, or a graphic that we use to train on them. You can see it on our website. And the, the, I always start with attitude. And I always, when I'm doing the, when you, when you join our team, sometime in the first couple of months you're there, I will personally do training on our core values with you because I view that one of my responsibilities to make sure that people understand right. who we are and where we come from. Um, their managers are going to do it too, but I'm going to do it as the general manager and start with that. And the first one's attitude. And so much of what we're talking about is a is a product of that. And I tell I tell the people in these training, these this core value training, 
uh, that if we could only have one core values, if we could only have one, that would be the one. Because yeah. your mindset and how you're deciding to approach everything from the customer, of course, but also your teammates and, you know, our folks in the warehouse, all that is a byproduct of your mindset. And I always say, you know, we're not, we're not asking you to be Mary friggin' Poppins, Poppins all, all the time. Like this is hard work, right? You know, you're going to be in crawl spaces. It's, no, it's gonna a grind, be, for sure. There's going to be yeah. days when well, I don't expect you to just be whistling Dixie the whole time, right? But, <laughs> right. but generally, as a day-to-day routine, you got to come to this with the mindset that we're going to treat each other respectfully. We're going to have fun doing it, believe it or not. You know, even though it is sometimes very hard work, we're going to be cool. That's the word I use <laughs> to each other and to our <laughs> customers. And I think that's just for us over time, you know, there's none of this, you know, the place that we're at, you know, didn't happen instantly. We're talking about 10 years worth of effort here, but we now have a team that's comprised of people who think that way. You know, we're going to be cool to each other, to our customers. And it's like, a, I kind of think of it as like a critical mass thing. Cause once you have that, there's so much self-regulation that occurs within your, your team. Right. You just wouldn't well, fit in if you sucked. And I say this in the same training. If you if you join this team and you suck, you know you're just not a very cool person to be around. You're just not going to fit in. Like, right. <laughs> not going to have to write you up. I've been hearing that a lot from companies. Like, well, I think we don't want you here, man. Self, you're a bad. You're a bad apple. Yeah, that Let's and self regulation as something to even discuss with people is most people aren't having that conversation either. Because they didn't either didn't get brought up to understand it because of their just different social situations, but it's a whole different thing to make guys really start thinking about. Think about how you feel when people do this. Think about how they're going to feel when you do this, because a lot of people won't step back and do that. It's the simplest it's just, of expectations that is often that are often not set. And that's why we talk about those core values and what I call the big A, the attitude one. Like it's an expectation that you're going to do right. this. It's not ta- it's not you know tangent to what we do. It's part of what we do. It's 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 expected that you're going to be professional and respectful of people's time, and you're going to use technology. You know, we talked about that one earlier. These are not like hobbies. <laughs> These are things that we do. If you're not going to do them i don't and i don't necessarily talk about it that negatively but it's very much understood from the get-go but if this is not who you are it doesn't mean you're a bad person it just means you're not going to be on this team you know and it doesn't, well, it I, doesn't think not, a lot of, I think a lot of business owners contractors you know getting going maybe they're small the numbers are looked at more than attitude right you got to look at numbers i know that's a part of it but i feel like that will come if the right culture is put in there right that's kind of what you guys did um i went to a training one time i won't name the company in charlotte large company 
showed up in there. Ryden, Ryden was there. Well, he was late, but God, I'm <laughs> not going to name any companies, but I always hey. got to throw it in. He's always hey. got to throw it in. That's great. <laughs> I'm not going to name any companies, but I will name Ryden. I will name Ryden. I know. Hey, he's co-host. I also had to briefly wear a funny wig because I was the late guy to the meeting. But (laughs) I show up to a training of 70 guys, okay? This is the install department. When I walked in, everybody was sitting there staring at me, waiting for me to start. And I went. Oh, okay. You know what? They got their shit together. You know what I'm saying? Like, you think that company was profitable? Just me saying that? Yes. Yeah, they're profitable. Like, it's culture. Mm -hmm. I walk in, I'm like, they're like, whenever you're ready, we start in three minutes. We're all ready. All 70 of us and then staring. And then before. Here comes riding. Well, but what's even, (laughs) even better is before Dennis Dennis it has to be there on time to start but before he can start the leader like the install leader or manager steps up and he makes a random one of his guys stand up and say their core values and say who they are and then they can start training so when that way I'm sure yeah well and okay so when when eight o'clock hit he walked over to the door and locked it. And I thought, shit, where's Ryan? Ryan's so screwed. Ryan's got the, uh, he's got the PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah. And the farthest driveway as usual. Uh, of so, course. So when he said, if anybody's late, they have to wear this. What was it? Like a chicken hat I or thought something? It was like, I thought it was like a green wig or something. Oh, you have to donate a dollar too. Cause they put it towards their charity. So anyway, they had this whole thing set up. Like, you're not going to be late to this place. It ain't happening. You know, that's just a, not to say military, but it's, there wasn't nobody late waiting for training. I'll tell you that. You know what I mean? It was, uh, and you, if you don't think that that place is not profitable, right? Like all that ties in. That place is now over 600 employees and over 40,000 maintenance agreements. Dang. So, you know, and that's culture. I mean, you're that's exactly a large right. scale, but yeah. yeah, large scale. But you're right. I walked in, I went, oh, this ain't no, you know, and, you know, I go to these small places where there's 10 guys, eight guys. I've been there. And if they had a little bit of culture, a little bit of, they would be crushing it. Yep. You know, it doesn't matter how big you are. Right. Uh, it's the same thing. Everybody's soldering pipe. Everybody's brazen, you know, everybody's hooking up low voltage. It's all the same, but that culture starts to, starts to change things. And I think, like you said, the, the generation of tech, some guys will come on this show and say, man, we just can't find good people out there. And then here you are saying, I don't, I mean, we don't have any trouble finding people. Like we got a, we got a great crew. You know what I mean? That's I wouldn't say we don't from. have any trouble. I mean, it's not like I that know, but I'm all. saying, but, but, right? But well, you might have more trouble finding what you want, right? Like, you might interview quite a few people, but <laughs> yeah, that's part of the right it, guy. Right? To, to get the professionalism and the 
honestly, we've we've started. I would say in the last two or three years, you know, we've grown more in those two or three years than we did the time before, and we've hired more people because they demonstrated these our values, right? For that, more times than we've hired because they already had X amount of experience. Well, and and because my philosophy has become, I believe that our philosophy, not just mine, I can we can teach somebody HVAC or plumbing, yep, easier than we can teach them that those things. Yep. Um, so I'll I'll take somebody. That, yeah, I'll take somebody that I feel like will already fit our culture. Tell me, dude, I know nothing about HVAC and plumbing, but I'm willing to learn it. Right. And I know it's going to be a two-year burn. We've got guys at different stages of that right now, right? I mean, that's how that's how we grow. But I went from desperately trying to find these guys that knew how to do this work, and in, and in quite a few instances, knowingly hiring them with the knowledge that they're probably not going to fit the culture that I'm looking for. Right. But I had to have techs. Right. Right. And experiencing pretty significant attrition from that, because ultimately they didn't fit what we're trying to do, even though they knew how to do the work. Yeah. That's growing. I was going to say, when did, when did that, I won't say when did that light bulb hit? Because you know, you already expressed like I know I'm hiring this guy and he's not really fitting the bill, but I've got to have him right now. At what point, you know, were you finally able to be like, okay, this is what we can do now because it's what we have to do, or did you just yeah, one day there, say we got to do this or it's not going to work at all? A little bit of both. I mean, there's definitely a critical mass factor in that where when you, when you have enough people to to make some money and therefore spend some money on things like training and, and, and skill development, you know, when the desperation goes away, when, when you, we got in position where, you know, because when you only have 13 employees, you know, and, and three or four of them don't even work in the field, yep. now you're down to, to 10 people that you're relying on to do the work that range from service plumbers and construction plumbers and what we then called helpers and now call apprentices and the HVAC service technicians. We didn't have any HVAC maintenance technicians in the beginning because we didn't even have membership program to even do maintenance. You just had to call us and we'd send a service yep. tech. Yep. But when you only have that many, it happened to us in the beginning. You know, and one of them quits, it's completely screwed. Yep. You know, because you've got a, at minimum a 10% decrease in productivity right then. And if it happened to be one of your better techs, you got more than 10% decrease oh, in yeah, productivity. Absolutely. So it's like a major hit. When that happens, well, when you can push through that and get to a point where you can say, you know, I don't want to lose one of my best techs, but if they did go, it'd be okay. yep, it'd suck, <laughs> we'd be okay. Um, then you start working with a little bit more, you know, flexibility, really. And it's not you don't treat them any worse. In fact, you get to where you can you can ultimately treat people better because one. They're not on call all the time. That's another thing that we changed. We haven't had an HVAC service technician on call in four years. Nice. I, would I go? Would I go around and tell that to every single customer? Yeah, y'all. I don't know. Over there? I don't know because I don't. 
I, I'm sure some customers would take that as like, well, you don't, you're not trying to take care of us. But my philosophy is, you know, you got this, let's just take an HVAC service tech, right? He's going to, he's going to handle, you know, somewhere in the realm of 15 to 30 customers next week. And I'm going to piss right. him off by having him on call three weekends in a row and he quits. Yeah, no, sure. I took, I yeah. took care of a few more customers in that time frame, but where am I now? He's going right. to go down That's the road. You got to weigh it out. We don't do it. We don't do it. I mean, and we have enough techs where we can work, you know, some somewhat shifts. We have nobody going out to people's houses at 10 o'clock at night. I mean, that's just where we, that's just who, where we are. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. If you don't have any heat. No, not there. You know, we feel for you. <laughs> we'll do this tomorrow. I'm not calling this guy who's at home with his family and, you know, I'm not saying that it doesn't happen every now and then, but but that's not our norm. And yeah. I, that's the two thing. That's the two things I started hearing from techs is, especially the good ones. You know, that knew they were more than just a good tech. That knew they had the professional skills and let's just call it the sales skills. I'd tell you, I want to know your on call schedule, and I want to know what you do for training. I feel like companies will take advantage of a guy like that. They say they won't, but they will. Yeah. If it's a big enough company and they're running calls like that, um, I'm with you. I don't think heating and air is life or death. I feel like... No, I mean, certainly customers act like it is sometimes, but at the end of the day, That's right. it, it's not. And but you still got to run a business. Or these guys listening to this show, they got to run a business, right? That's and, right. And my old boss was got one more call man it's just a gas and go it's just one more call i'm like it's eight o'clock at night you know it, how much money are we going to make on this call like let's just be honest um i mean i'm i was done three hours ago <laughs> like um i'm, I'm burnt out my mind i can't think straight i'm not going to be great in front of this homeowner um i'm not going to turn over a sale because then I got to go back to the they spend two more hours. paperwork yeah. and then I got to quote this thing out. Yeah. Because you know, it ain't a two day job, right? It's a one day job. I got to measure all the duck. What's the power coming in. I am the salesman now and yep. no, I'm going to sling some gas and I'm going to leave. So, <laughs> so how profitable was that call? Right. Like and that's what you really got to start profits, looking at. Though. It's not, I don't think it's, I think there's, there's still a pretty large uh, effect of the pressure. Right. So, so the customer wants you, you know, the customer wants you there yesterday, uh, not even today, but you gotta, you gotta figure out, I mean, it's not black and white, but you've got to decide whether the most valuable thing to, to you and your business is the technician or the customer. Um, That's and, a good point. and I've, don't even debate that anymore there's no question it's the technician i mean i will i will tell our absolute best customer which are, you know and, and we're almost entirely residential so no one represents a very large percentage of our business but even so if i was standing there in the room and both of them said one of us is going to quit if this guy now here at 10 o'clock tonight <laughs> it's going to be me the customer or me the tech yeah. For zero seconds. I'm saying, 
customer. I hope you find somebody else to be out there at 10 o'clock tonight. <laughs> yeah. End of story. I mean, that's End of a story. great point. End of story. Well, yeah, yeah. It comes down to you got to run a business, man. That's what those, those guys are. You your... can't do it without technicians. You can't do it without customers either. But, you know, there's no question, nobody operating one of these contracted businesses is going to disagree with what I'm about to say. Is it easier to find a customer or a tech? <laughs> or you, you use the word pro tip find, right there pro tip <laughs> you got or grow a tech which is what we do more of now than hiring them we, we grow right. them. which one's easier to do i mean obviously you're gonna put two years into a technician you know tons of training and also which comes in all different forms you know dennis you're a technical trainer but we we provide professional training to our our technicians as well that has to do with you know loosely sales or whatever you want to call it customer communication soft skills professionalism we we have we provide resources for that so i'm going to put two years of that into a guy and then call that an equal investment to getting one customer no way i mean not even if it were 10 customers not even if it were 100 customers really (laughs) if you told me right no we're we're approaching it like that now well you should be because that's, right. I mean, in my, my opinion, that's the reality of the situation. You got to have those texts and you don't just got to have them. They got to feel, they got to not be burnt out. They got to feel I was appreciated, at, feel like they're adding value, but also, you know, you're giving well, value to them. For my part, I'd sell this same stuff that selling you guys to them. I don't mind them knowing that I place well above a customer all the customers you can't do business without <laughs> having some customers right but um, right they know that this is where they stand with us and they know that we're not going to run them into the ground I, I don't think we've had you know this year's almost over um i don't think we have out of whatever it is you know so we got 11 plumbing crews uh, five install crews, four service techs, two maintenance techs, what you know, what however that shakes out. I don't think hardly any of them have worked two thousand hours this year. You know, which is kind of considered the benchmark for a full years of work. Right. right. We have way more techs that have not worked two thousand hours than we have techs that have. And the ones that do, it's because they choose to essentially. Of course, we we manage their dispatch. Well, that's what I'm we saying. When you build that culture, they will go in. They will get deep for you. They will get in there on a day where they need to. Right? They're like, yes. you know what? God, what? You know what? We let's we got to fix this today, guys. Like, we're not leaving unless we get it. You know, they might work late, right? But and if they're paid for what they do, not how long it right. takes them to do it, that's already built into it, right? That's that's the other Mindset thing I was talking everything. about. Yeah, when I was talking about those, you know, hopefully two-day replacements earlier, um, that was it. So we talked about the front end where you're looking out the window trying to figure out why the hell they're still here. Then the same thing would happen on the back end, right? You had this job, again, I'll just use the Sapphire Valley example, where there was an hour left to get the job done. Four o'clock. You know, and you like being home, which everyone does. And you're paid by the hour. Hop in the truck, drive home, go back tomorrow morning, 
do that hours work worth of work in three hours. You know, if you're not micromanaged, where someone's right on top of you, which is hard to do when you have multiple crews and a large right. geographic area, right? And and you don't have cell service in half of it. <laughs> Micromanagement gets difficult, if not impossible. So you've got to have that motivation built in where the guy says, you know, hell no, we're not leaving. I'm going to get this job done today and make that 500 bucks. I'm getting paid for this installation or whatever it is and move on to the next one tomorrow without some manager coming along and telling me, you know, we finished jobs today and you're supposed to get this done and I'm looking at your sheet and all that. They just do it because it's better for them. Yep. Right. Not yeah, because... Just rush through it and leave, you know, leave. And you've made it to where it's it better for them, but it's also better for the company at the same Correct. time. The win-win. You got the win-win scenario that's that seems to be difficult for most people to create or embrace at least. And that's just part of our part of our culture and like like dennis just said you know they're not rushed they're responsible right. to get that done because it's it's in their best interest <laughs> no unfortunately and, i think i think what we see here is you you came in outside of being doing what they did right you you didn't have that skill level but you had the skill level that the company needed, right? So in, in our industry, a guy gets his license, starts the company, he's a great tech, installs, builds it up. That that business, that coal, all that, he hasn't, he doesn't know how to apply that. Yep. Right? That's our industry, like, still. Well, and that's a where... a big part of it. That's where a lot of, I hate to say it, but I mean, my in some ways my dad's guilty of it too is you know figuring out how to develop those other things in in a true put it on paper put it up on the wall type culture if that makes sense well our ego in this business and i'm sure a lot of businesses like ego is a big thing yep and what brad went to school for and learned how to do that's a skilled trade yeah, to Marketing take the ego business, out of it. Right? Yeah, I can fix a heat pump, but you know what? Maybe I, I really don't know that side of the business. I think a lot of companies are hiring from the outside. You know, don't just promote your best service tech to install, to service manager, to marketing director. <laughs> I mean, that's not his, you know. It's it's a, there are skill sets involved. I, here, here's how what right. I've learned in, in 10 years is, and I'll ask you this question, Dennis, as a former technician, how, what percentage of technicians after 10 years, let's say you've been a tech for 10 years, are you guys still there? My AirPods are making some beeping sounds. Yep. Yep. I'm here. Okay. What percentage of technicians after 10 years want to get into sales or management? Pretty high. High. Well, they want to get out of the field. They're like, I'm what, ready. what is the reason? I've paid my dues. You know, um, so, so the reason the grind. Is... they're tired of the grind. They, they think that they're there. They want to, yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. It's not good. Like, I think it's, I think it's largely because they think it will be easier. Well, yeah. And 
once you've done management or or sales, which is one that really gets looked down upon, you realize it's not. No. It's, it's it comes with a whole different set of stresses, right? That that you can't you can't really, of course, appreciate until you've experienced them. So. Right. A lot of people's job looks easier than yours, <laughs> no matter what your job is. I'm not talking about just about, about techs because uh, you don't know what they're doing. Right. I could say like, yeah, I mean, these guys, they do this podcast. That's got to be easy. They just jump on the on the call and drink a beer and shoot the shit, right? And that's what yep. essentially what we're doing from 500 feet. Yep. But I happen to know that you put a lot into this. There's a lot of effort that goes, and that's virtually everything. But in our in our world, that's what happens is that that you know tech and they were of course they want to start their own business because all you do then is just make money yep <laughs> oh yeah yeah you just, license to print the, money the phrase that gets used is sit behind a desk then they find out they See, hate sitting behind a desk oh it sucks a lot of the time right <laughs> yeah it's, I'm envious of our guys a lot of days, and I, and I tell them this in the right context. Like, it would be cool to go actually do a job and have that rewarding end of the day, like, and you know, get that customer five star review and have somebody say how awesome I was. And I'm oh, not, yeah, like, they go I'm not yeah. woe is me in here, but that's not what I do. <laughs> um, right. I, I typically <laughs> hear of shit when it's broken, not working well, right? Customer's not happy. Um, <laughs> These are the things that are my, you know, or were my every, my every day. So, uh, I think that hit on it there, Dennis, pretty well is that, um, they, the, the technicians want to get out of being a tech because they envision Easier. that it's going to get, yep. it's going to be easier. Yep. And I've been That's, hearing a lot of podcasts say, you know, careful hiring your you know promoting your best tech to hit to a sales manager or an install manager or um because managing people is a whole nother skill yes it is and guess what that guy's been in a van for 10 years by himself <laughs> i mean just throwing that out there you know talking to himself listening to podcasts all day Yep. So we're back, and uh, I was uh, dogging out Ryden's Android products, and then Brad's Apple AirPods died. Sorry, <laughs> <Are you> Ryden. <laughs> right. A little bit of just, just a little bit of tilt back to the end. Yeah, I mean they only last like four hours. I guess that's not terrible. Three hours, two hours. That's it. I'm getting one of those drive-through headsets. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Zach is. We'll give Zach some commission on one of those. Zach has ins- inspired the next, uh, the next generation of our podcast guests with the drive-through headset. Yeah, I mean, so if you're a small business owner and you haven't written down anything Brad has told you, just go ahead gonna, and start. You're not going to make it. Over. Yeah, start. Start. Uh, sell real estate. <laughs> he can help you with that too, apparently. right? <laughs> Well, that's no, I mean, you're going to have a whole coaching network set up by the time we're done with this. Well, I wouldn't be the only one, right? Um, that's it. But I, I definitely hear guys dogging those coaching, you know, programs as as 
some, um, some are ridiculous. This isn't that I'm sure you've heard, but, but we are a Praxis S10 member and, and some of that knowledge has definitely been, you know, transformational for us. In fact, uh, you know, I mentioned to you that a turning point was what I heard at that, uh, at the conference in Atlanta. Another one was we became a Praxis S10 member and uh, I was watching some of their training videos and Jimmy Hiller, you know, who's one of the founding yep. oh, yeah. and has a very successful business, primarily in Tennessee, said that uh, one of the most, you know, angstful moments in his career was when he decided he was no longer going to do new construction. And he remembers writing his last bid and saying, I'm, this is it for me. I'm not, we're going to get out of this. And I was listening to that as somebody that still did new construction, but he went on to say it was one of the best things that he ever did because it was a culture changer. You know, we weren't right. the context that he put it in that I thought that was the most eye opening for me was he said, we're not going to view new construction as something we do in the winter to stay busy. Yeah. We're going to go get more customers and we're, therefore we're going to need more technicians. We're not going to be trying to keep, the technicians that we have busy, we're going to have more work. <laughs> right. And again, it was another one of those moments where I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. That kind of aligns with what I already believe. Like you can't grow a business when part of its strategy is to have this section of it that you don't even like <laughs> that you're going to have your technicians doing to quote unquote, keep busy. Why don't you go get more of the work that you do like? And so we kind of threw that stake in the ground again uh, back in 2019 and said, you know, this winter we will not be doing these new construction jobs to keep our guys busy. We're going to go so, get more of the work that we like. Well, I was going to say, so I hear that on this show a lot, me and Ryan both. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been there. We had a new construction division, right, it, where I worked in Atlanta. There's going to be new homes built. And somebody's got to put the heating and air in, right? I understand that. But some, if enough of us, <laughs> we just lost all the builders on the show. They just hung up, right? <laughs> but if enough of us say, you know what? I understand there's 120 homes in here, but we have guys that are, this is a skilled trade we're going to do a good job and we're going to do this and do that. And we're going to pull it back and we're going to, we have to charge this. And he yep. says, no, nah, I'm going to have to find the next guy. If enough of us get together, right? Like it's the same work. It's the same work. Why is it a quarter of the cost, the pay? Like, um, that's got to go away. That's got to go away. I think away. it is some now. Talked to some guys in the last couple of years that are saying that new construction is just not as brutal as it used to be. It, at least yeah, this is what I charge, man. I, I appreciate the 125 homes. I'll cut you a little bit money. of a deal, but I, I can't do this to quote unquote keep my guys busy in the winter. Like, yep, that's not that. We can't be that. We can't do that. Nope. I don't know who started that, and I've said it for two years on this podcast. Like. Who started that? Builders. So right. That, I mean, so that they <laughs> well, could, the so builders that they like, we'll keep your guys busy for you during the winter. No, we yeah, got to so get away from that. Leverage, so that they could leverage volume in an That's unhealthy it. 
in an unhealthy way because I, I remember I remember him saying it to me. Some of these guys are my friends. I'm not like hypercritical of builders, but I remember them saying, "Hey, man, if you can do it for this, I give you a hundred houses." Hey, Which, I'm not know, knocking their hustle, but what one at some point they're going to get on the phone and say, Hey man, I got some homes over here. You know, throw some HVAC in like, yeah, this is what I charge per ton. It's like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. And it's like, yeah, man, <laughs> I'm taking yeah. money out of your pocket now, bud. Like, yeah, you've uh, taken out of mine long it, enough. I got guys over here that do good work and I can go do a change out tomorrow and you can keep those 125 lots. Like it's also, you know I'll it's do five changeouts and I wear even. <laughs> yeah. It's also different guys. And that's what right. right. That's what mm-hmm. was a realization for me is when, when you have technicians who can go out and provide, you know, a homeowner in a in a replacement or retrofit environment with an experience that they would again tell their friends about and tell their neighbors about, that's a different guy than goes out on that's a construction right. site for a week. I mean, sometimes you have those rare guy, you know, rare birds that can do both, but that's a challenge. I, I'm going to hold you to this standard of professionalism and customer service and communication and these things that we've touched on the call for eight months. And then for the other four, I'm gonna, I need you to roll around the mud and forget about all that shit. Yeah, just yeah. cut the boots in. Yeah, let's get <laughs> yeah, makes, going. Makes yeah. Stuff. It's a, it's a, that's a tall ask for somebody to fit both of those molds. So in my mind, if you want the technicians that can operate at a level of professionalism, that's a different level, you know, that's at a different level, you got to find the work for them. <laughs> right. Yep. Right. And, and that's our responsibility as a business to make sure they have enough of that work where they can shine and do what they can do, but not ask them to turn that off for some period while we all go out and do these jobs that we don't really want. Um, yeah, I mean, you got the, the install. We had we had two divisions, right? We had a, uh, we called him a trim-out guy. You know, he'd go out there and braze everything in, start it up, make sure everything's working well. And you don't think they're not going to talk to each other. You know, the install guys are over here making this, and that guy is doing the same thing. <laughs> I mean, he's doing the same thing. And he's just crumbing around down there, you know, like you said, playing in the mud. <laughs> I mean, new construction is a whole different animal. And no, it's rough. Those thing. two things at the same company, it don't, it don't work. Well, I mean, putting them in different divisions is better than acting like they're the same. Right. But you, but you yeah, but sw- he's trying to fight to get over to the up there, right up there where those guys are. So it's like, when can I go up there? And then you're constantly trying to replace him. Um, yeah, I just don't, I, I just feel like, and I, and maybe you, like you said, if you talk to your builders, like, I feel like we were turning the corners slightly, right? It seems uh, like it. I mean, I'm the not new guy that. growing a company is like, man, I got to take this business, man. It might get me off the ground. Guess what? It, it ain't going to get you off the ground because there no. ain't no profit in it. Like currently. I it mean, feels like it's a trap almost. Like it is a trap. Once you start doing it, it's difficult to stop. And it was for us. I mean, it took just kind of, as I mentioned before, kind of putting a stake in the ground and saying no more. Um, and right. there was Bill, of course. I mean, we still have people calling us to this day asking us if we'll do new construction. And you know, the answer is we don't do that. Um, right. That's, that's not what we do. 
And I think, and we even have some techs who, you know, some installers who tell you, I still, I still like, I, I like doing new construction. Uh, there's a rewarding thing about building a house, but yeah, right, right. when it's the least profitable business you can do with the most amount of headaches and the least <laughs> amount of praise, <laughs> you know, everybody feels that even yeah, your right. installers who, you know, who like new construction, it's, that's that's the cruise that's the bowling pot that it is in my mind you know looking right. back on it lowest margin business we did for the most amount of headaches and the least amount of praise so you know it's less rewarding financially but also less rewarding in general right and i'm not saying every job or every builder i'm just saying if you look at it as a whole that it's it's a pain and yeah. i hate to say it but these companies that i go to where I walk in and I set up training, you know, and I get the guys that are stoked and they're sitting there and they're ready to go. They don't do new construction. Right. None of them where I go, none of them, the big I, ones, the I 70 installers way. that I went to, they don't do new construction. Nope. I mean, somebody's got to do it. Right. I'm building a house next year. I mean, I'm, I'm probably obviously doing mine, but somebody's got to put the ductwork in and put the HVAC in these new homes that are going up all over the country. But um, I think it's also worth noting that once you've committed yourself to delivering an exceptional experience, kind of like we've talked about, it's extremely difficult to do that in new construction, even with a pretty good builder because there's so right. many variables that you yep. as the mechanical contractor don't control. I used to say we, we could, it got to a point for us, we couldn't afford to do good work. That was like the quote, like, well, yeah, that's a great quote. And we it couldn't afford to do <laughs> what we afford. really wanted to do for the system, for the home to be comfortable because we're on the hook for it. And, the builder's gone and the homeowner's like, y'all put mm -hmm. this shit in. It ain't comfortable. And you're like, yeah, but I didn't design it. Right. I didn't even select the equipment. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. I was. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, it got to the point where we couldn't afford to do, to produce a good product. Not to mention, obviously the, the, the profit margins there were crazy. You know, if you had to go back for anything, you're, you're done. You're done. You're in yeah. The you budgeted five days and then, no, really, no fault of yours. It wound up being seven. Right. And in our world, that means the installers would make less. You can see how that would work. Right. Um, it wasn't my fault we're having to go back these extra two days. It's someone else's fault or some something else's fault or someone else's fault. So it didn't match our philosophy from that perspective. New construction didn't. And I always said, like, in fact, the last construction job we did was actually in plumbing. And... I remember sitting down with our, our most skilled and lead plumber at that time and saying, we're going to bid this. This is before we got the job. We're going to bid this as if it were service work. <laughs> we're going to price it like, like it's not a new construction job. Cause that's what we'd always done. Right. Was looked at new construction mm -hmm. job yep. with this totally different lens of like, Hell, it's going to suck. Let's just try to make it suck less basically. Right. Um, and that's, and that's not the way to look at it anymore. You can't. And in this case, we said, we're not going to do that. We're going to bid this at basically our service rates. 
this is like a a three month job. You know, it's not all going to be in one three month period because you got rough in and then oh, well, this had a slab, and you know, you got different phases. But we're going to price it as if it was service work because at that time and still at this time we had you know virtually what i refer to as unlimited demand if, right. if you wanted the work it was out there so i can't I'm not going to be so stupid that i price this at much lower margins because i want the work when i don't <laughs> right 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 we did that and we won the job even pricing it like service work basically and this is plumbing we got it and we did the job and we did a great job not just from a the work standpoint but like we were under budget as far as labor hours used the plumber was generally happy great guy he now has his plumbing license and lives down the coast but when we got done we went and we looked at the numbers and we said what would we have been doing if we hadn't done this because we have all that data right we other jobs that we were doing with other crews right it still wasn't great like it would have been better to have done well service work what we already do for for both the always and the plumber always. it yep. would have been better and he went into it thankfully this this plumber named Pete went into it knowing that it was in some ways an experiment like we're going to price this the way we think it should be priced and then we're going to look at it in the end and see how we did. And we did better than we thought we would do. And it still wasn't nearly as good as what we would have been doing otherwise. And that was yeah, a real, that was a real light bulb moment for us when we were like, if this went as well as it could have, it still wasn't anywhere near as good as what we would have been doing if we hadn't been doing this job. But I think it also helped, you know, he got to see that process as an open book process. And I think a lot of times that helps kind of get these guys convinced why we should do things a little bit different is you're showing them why it makes better sense for them and the company, but exactly. they get to feel like it is better for me. So well, maybe we I should mean, do it. Kind of the brains behind it. Cause I can't, I, I didn't have the skills then or now really to properly take off that type of plumbing project. So he was, you know, he, he, he was, he was behind the curtain more than I was in some ways. And that was right. fine because we, you know, we had mutual trust and he knew that was what was needed of him. And, and he was part of the whole deal more so than just going to plummet, you know? Um, and he got to see at the end. And we, I remember we were sitting there in my office and I'm showing him the numbers and he's like, yeah, we would have been better off doing service work, even though this went great. It went swimmingly. <laughs> in fact, <laughs> it still wasn't as good as other stuff we could have been doing. And yeah, I think was, we're a little bit, a little bit at a time. Okay. I don't know how many I don't know how many guys we've had on the show that are like, yeah, we, we don't do new construction anymore. I'm like, well, damn, somebody's got to do it at some point, right? Like, yep. uh, we just got to gradually, gradually move that curve around a little bit where we, you know, a trade trade driven job makes what they should make. Whether it's, I mean, I like I said, whether it's new construction or or right. change out, it's it took the same amount of knowledge in most cases to do the new, the new installs it did to diagnose someone else's install and fix it. Well, and I hear more guys say now, well, we, we do new construction, but it's custom houses. Like I hear that a lot now. And that's getting closer because what, right? what, closer. what I hear when they say that is that you've got a homeowner 
and a contractor, hopefully a general a GC, that are as focused on quality as price, if not more. Mechanicals. Yep. They care about mechanicals. And that really is what we're saying when it comes to the other side of the non-construction side of the business, which in our case doesn't exist. But that's really what we're saying is you got to have the, I refer to them as discerning customers. Right. The customer who, who knows they could get something done cheaper, but that's not what they're choosing because they want the right thing done. And that's everything from the, the work itself to the experience that they have. They're willing to pay for that. Right. Um, there's just a lot of builders that don't, you know, getting back to the new construction, that, that don't operate with that mindset. Right? That's right. Yeah, because you want to commodity. You want to take on the maintenance. They're gonna add. They're gonna add on as a maintenance agreement customer, and then they're gonna you're gonna do a service out there, right? That's the idea. But in the new construction world, it's like your tail light warranty and you're running. Like, come on, one year, right? Like, let's just yeah. get out of here. And we started by saying that we'll only do new construction when we get to deal with the homeowner. Right. And that was better, mind you, because we at least had control over, you know, equipment selection or at least felt like we'd got had a chance to talk with it about. It's a weird thing to me, new construction and this idea that I'm going to build this home, you know, whatever level the home is, but especially on a, on a, on a higher level home. And as the homeowner, a custom home, as the homeowner, I'm going to have no say in the HVAC system selection, at least equipment mm-hmm. selection. That's weird, right? Like right. knowing what we know about inverters and variable speed, the idea that a homeowner would be advised on that or not advised on it by a builder that doesn't know what we know is bizarre. Like when you consider the benefits of, a, of an inverter system, by the way, like 80% of what we install are inverters. Dennis knows this. It's weird right. that I would buy a custom home without having discussed that. I mean, yep. we know how that works, right? You're going to, you're going to put four hours of discussion into the fucking, sorry, but the dishwasher. <laughs> when I can sell you a nice yeah. piece of equipment, that's the and same zero, brand that makes your house. Uh, and zero into the HVAC equipment selection. Cause my, my GC has got me covered on that. Well, you know right. what percentage of the time that GC actually has you covered on that? Zero. Zero. Well, zero. I, I haven't met one. I haven't met one that could <laughs> that could actually talk through the benefits of you know, an, for example, an inverter system over a non over a traditional equipment. I haven't met one that could actually explain and iterate that. No, that's I not his something. gig. It's just not his gig, right? Yeah. I expect it to be, but that's but the way it rolls out, it's supposed to be, because that's who's making the call. And what are they usually making it on? Cost. Yeah. Not benefit. Right. Cost plus. Uh, if, you, if you're lucky, it's cost plus because then, right. <laughs> then they might choose a better system just because it costs more. Not because right. it's better. <laughs> right. That's a good point. All right. Well, I feel like we might have a we Brad slash Ward 2.0 show. Yeah. I'm just uh, gonna have to because this is this has been a lot of good nuggets. Yeah, so we covered a lot. I feel like, uh, yeah, we. I mean, contractor-wise, listening like our last three shows in this year, um, 
between Zach in-home selling, Brittany, and Brad. Like, that's what we got coming 2024. Are you going to AHR, Brad, this year? <laughs> it's funny. I was listening to the last one with Zach, and you kind of hit the nail on the head. <laughs> I want to go. Actually, I want to go, but... And I actually like snow. Like, I'm a snow guy. I get excited about snow. So there's part of me that's like, man, if I go to Chicago in January, I'm likely to see some snow. But then there's another part of me that's like, it may or may not snow, but it's definitely going to be brutally cold. Windy. <laughs> yeah. Windy? Yeah. I mean, I haven't been to Chicago at that time of year, but... Um, it was a bit nippy in October I went. I went... In the one we went a little bit. I went once in yeah. April... Actually, for a trade show at McCormick Center when I was still in the uh, in the com- computer chip business, and uh, always just, a trade show there. Yeah, probably. it just so happened that we were there like the first spring weekend, and I would tell you, which is obviously not going to happen in January, but I would tell you like this was a very memorable experience because, you know, I was at the time living in Atlanta, so and by April you're already getting like summer days but it was the first spring day and it was like a tuesday that we were there that this happened and it basically it felt like chicago shut down from a business standpoint (laughs) there were people out on patios slamming beers at two in the afternoon in like shorts and tank tops mind you it's like 48 (laughs) they're stoked but they're losing their shit i mean just People walking nine, ten dogs at a time, just smiles everywhere. And I'm still out. I mean, I was cold, but right. they were they, they were just ecstatic. Oh, it was, it's springtime. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was wild. No, spring is 60, 57, 55 in the morning, right? Gets up yeah. to about 70. Yeah, a little dew on the grass. <laughs> Not 48. No. no. I don't remember the exact temperature, but it wasn't warm to me. Like, I still had a jacket on. And they were just, they were in hog heaven, man. Well, maybe we'll see you. So, yeah, I haven't decided yet is the answer to that question. We're still, okay. uh, you got some, uh, you got some breakout sessions, or you could come see us record live. Yeah, that's right. So, if you are going, make sure to go to, well, and if you are going to go, make sure to go get registered at ahrexpo.com. I think we're starting to push up against the final. Uh, days where you can actually get your pass mailed to you. I think it switches to will call sometime next week because they won't have time for it to get there as we talked about our awesome mail system earlier. <laughs> um, but make sure to go to ahrexpo.com, get registered, come see us in Podcast Pavilion 2, Monday and Tuesday, 1 to 3. We've got some great guests. We're going to start announcing them probably probably the next show once the, the new year starts. I about to say, once the school year starts. Jeez. No, don't say that. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, come check us out also at the Bosch Home Comfort booth, S8188, as well as the AC Products booth, which is S8695. They're actually really close together. I they looked, are. I looked on the map uh, yesterday, and I was like, oh, that's nice. Um, and the podcast pavilions are kind of right in between the main concourses of the two massive conference halls this thing is in so i think we should have some good foot traffic too um but yeah once you get registered get the app on your phone start planning your show follow any booths that you're interested in you can also see all the different breakout sessions such as the ones like changed a lot of brad's thoughts about his business so 
get there, get some knowledge, check out some different opinions, check out some new products, and uh, we hope to see you in the podcast pavilion. Well, like like Brad said, you go there, like I always say in training, if you get one thing, right, one thing. I've been to uh, sales conferences, and one guy said one sentence, and I left out of there like, you know what? I'm going to crush it when I get back. It's all it takes. Yep. Um, so, Brad, as always, good to talk to you again, man. Yeah, yeah awesome. To, that was fun. Yeah, awesome to finally meet you. I've got to get my butt up there and take you to lunch. Yeah, man. We can, we can, we can catch up. I'd love, love to chat with you some more. I really enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll come up there and have a uh, local brew. That's right. I'm not scared to have a local brew with Brad at lunchtime. No, right? absolutely not. <laughs> we didn't. Well, you know what? We're going to talk about music the next time you're on the show because we're That's all it. music guys here. We have to get the story of the uh, old dirty bathtub. Yes. Man. Yes. Is it still together? You said not was, really. We, I um, know you said it was agent. Was it aging out? <laughs> we said that a lot. Kind of like show. our technicians, right? <laughs> Part of, I mean, not so much aging out. We just had a couple. Uh, one of our our uh, Dobro player went on tour with a, uh, you know, a real band. We were we were basically like, you know, a couple weekends a month, type, mainly local right. or in the region. And he he was a he's a killer musician. He got uh, he got recruited to go on tour with a, a singer songwriter named Caleb Caudill. Okay. So Carter. Hey, when it, when a band breaks up because guys are going on tour, exactly. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, yeah exactly. that, that's that, that's how I feel. That's, that's how we that's all feel win. about it. Yeah, that's a win, right? Yeah. Um, um, then another bandmate got sick, actually had cancer for a year. He's now in remission. But just between those two things, we kind of went on a hiatus and just haven't haven't gotten back to it. And we all still are friends and still pick around a little bit. We just haven't got back into getting out and playing. I don't know if we will with the the way things have gone, but I still play, you know, around the house and do it, play okay. with people here and there for different reasons, just not like banding it like I was. <laughs> right. And, and also I had a little, little girl right around, not, not long before those. Oh, kids. Guys. Yeah. Kids yeah. will, <laughs> yeah. kids will do that. Kids will crush that. Golly. You know, it would, great. It would have been cool for her to say, I remember my, my daddy rocking, but I don't, you know, like the back paint <laughs> right <laughs> yep just gotta get her in the HVAC world that's what I'm trying to secretly do with Kylie yeah you just don't realize it I'm gonna sneak her in some HVAC world why not yeah it ain't going nowhere it, it, we need more women it's uh yeah it's a still a very much male dominated trades and uh, I think the more diversity in many different ways but certainly from gender standpoint would be good for for the trades absolutely well and it made it through a pandemic right i feel good yeah that's right as a dad she gets into the trade but so yeah thanks for coming on man and uh yeah we'll talk to you soon we'll have to circle back yeah you guys just let me know when you when you want to come up and visit and also when you if you want to talk some more i'm happy to do that i really enjoyed it absolutely that'll work man so thanks for your time brother thanks for listening everybody 
please make sure to follow us on social media. Check us out on Instagram and TikTok at HVAC.R&D, as well as on Tradehounds, Facebook, and LinkedIn as the HVAC R&D Podcast. Go check out HVACRD.com, and if you need anything else, just reach out to us. Thanks for listening, Trade Crew. Have a good one, and uh, Merry Christmas. Yep, Merry Christmas. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year.